See, I've if only we had a guy on your recording saying this this podcast is being recorded. Yeah, that would have been useful, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay, <right. laughs> yeah, exactly. Episode 121, dated Sunday the 13th of September 2009. Post PAX podcast. Welcome to the Digital How's it going, guys? I'm Alex Shaw. Good. Well, that was the f- most freest introduction ever. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I know you said we're not going to get be very rigid today, but that was yeah. No, no, no we are off the rails today. Tony, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> Introduce yourself, Tony Atkins. I'm Tony Atkins. You are. Uh, and who have we got with us? I am Kelly Brown from the Married Gamers. And and, and Lefty Brown, aka Chris Brown from the Married Gamers as well. Okay. Now this podcast comes from the the ashes. Of a dead <laughs> podcast that never survived that beyond what, what, how much do you think we got? Like 15 minutes? There, yeah, 10 yeah. to 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Right. What happened was we were, uh, it was the last day of PAX and, so uh, it was Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, Sunday. We were in, uh, Chris and Kelly's hotel room and it was us, Chris and Kelly, Liz, Paul, uh, Elaine and Dan from some other castle. Uh, sadly, Edie had to go home before then because otherwise she'd have been awesome there too. As, as probably could even have got an engineer Kevin in it. And we did like 15 minutes and then I noticed that the lights had turned off on this little recording device and I, you know, mentioned it and we got the batteries changed over and they started recording again. And we did another two hours of just awesome off the cuff material just talking Amazing. about it was brilliant. And then we noticed at the very end, oh, didn't record. <laughs> uh, there's nothing you can do at that point you can't turn back time so we just thought right we'll do another one later this week and we have you know basically we've gotten Kelly and Chris back and we tried to get Elaine she's at her grandma's or something Edie's working so uh, it's just us folks but if we're very lucky we might be able to put that fragment that we did get at the very end as a sort of an easter egg we've now told you where it is so. we do we do have that amazing show that we can say oh if only you were oh, there so it's just, good. Oh, it was yeah. those special people and it was it was such a fantastic yeah. show and it was it was the woodstock of podcasts and <laughs> I, I would say so and I should add for your listeners uh, for digital cowboy listeners if you want to see uh, the digital cowboys oh. Eat some very uh, awkward American food. Oh, Email the Digital Cowboys and demand that they release those videos because we had the videos and we're going to be sharing them with them. Uh-huh. But uh, we're not releasing them publicly unless they they get enough uh, well, feedback for that. We'll wait and see what they look yeah, like. Yeah, we'll wait and see. If they look really horrible and embarrassing, if I get like an up-the-nose view of me while I'm having spray cheese put in my gob, I'm going to say no to that. It's going to be like the whole the Kennedy assassination file. For 50 years, that will be in, in somewhere in Langley. Okay. I don't, anyway. I don't think it was you that was up-the-nose. I think it was more Tony because the cheese <laughs> went into his mouth directly. <laughs> okay, so oh, we're yeah. already on form for uh, going completely off the rails and not talking about Video games! <laughs> but that's what we're here to talk about, and we're t- sort of trying to recapture that energy. So, right, for the uninitiated who haven't been checking out both of our websites in the past uh, ooh, month, um, PAX is the Penny Arcade Expo held in Seattle every year, and this was our first... Was it the first for you guys? It was our second year. Our second, so you, you, you were there last year. Yes, we were there last year, however... I have realized how little I remember from last year due to being in chronic pain last year. Well, that sucks. Speaking of chronic pain, Tony, <laughs> how much have we <laughs> suffered for being at PAX? Uh, a fair bit. Uh-huh. Do, you know, do you know it's actually quite a long way to fly to America and go to PAX? It is? Out. Yeah. 93,000 miles? Uh, not quite that. You'd be going around the globe a few times. <laughs> but, um, 
Uh, nine and a half oh. hours. I mean, yeah, to cut a long story. Being head on by the air crew, not the females, the males. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's a that's a non-stop flight for you, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but that's good because the stopping and starting is a pain in the bum. So. Yeah, and it, it kicked yeah. off well. We we got the pretty you know pretty good time and pretty high spirits. But obviously the jet lag time you know time you've been up for about twenty five twenty six hours to get within the time difference uh, it affected some people more than others. Let's yeah. just yeah, say seeing, that. Seeing you guys, we we met you guys what within about two hours of you landing. Mm. Yeah. Taking you guys taking you guys to your first <laughs> meal of Mexican food. I thought you guys were going to fall Mexican. into salsa yourself. <laughs> yeah, um, I think basically... Eating guacamole, that was enough to make you throw up. There was just... Oh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Kelly, was, Kelly was like, do you like guacamole? I'm like, ugh, no, it's horrible. And you went very qu- quietly, my parents raised guacamole for <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, uh, I love guacamole. Give me guacamole. <laughs> they, 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 they ran a guacamole plantation. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, I mean, just so we can maybe get this out of the way now, a few of us got sick on there. I mean, there by looks all especially flu has just ripped through the entirety of the PAX uh, attendees. Half the uh, podcasting community have gone down with it. Half the exhibit, I know the harmonics. Half the uh, guys that were showing in their stuff there have gone down with pl- uh, plague. Some of it. Uh, quite possibly the swine flu. I know quite a few people have been tested, and that was confirmed. Other people, you know, who knows? But uh, yes, yeah, Paul went down. There was at least a hundred people that yeah. got the H1N1. So, which out of six thousand, sixty thousand, sixty thousand, sixty thousand, isn't, yeah. isn't too bad a number. That's like uh, one sixth of a percentile. So, yeah. so me, I think I just, I, I mean, I've gone down with something the last few days, but I think that's probably just exhaustion of throwing myself and probably realistically only getting five or six hours sleep. I know you and me both, Alex, were just. Well, I would have been able to sleep a bit better were it not for Paul snoring, but uh, <laughs> he slept fine, no problem. But I think Paul got hit by the, the tiredness and exhaustion, the worst of us, and I think he got some, just basically some nasty cold or flu or something by the end, so he kind of crashed on the last day. But anyway. I, yeah. I so, shouldn't have hugged him on the plane so much, and that way I may have actually Less survived. of the tongue kissing would have been good. Anyway. Anyway. Games. We're all here Games to talk too. about video games. Video games. <laughs> And, okay, well, what we're going to do is basically just go over the games that we saw at the show, because we, we saw a lot of games which have not yet been released, and a lot of games which are just about to be released. Talked to a couple of the developers, a couple of the PR people, got, got some great interviews, saw some fantastic panels, went to some awesome concerts, hung out with some really excellent people, and we're just going to try and put across to you what that was like, in no, no specific order. So, yeah, where, where to start? Should we just go with the big games the first, or...? Let's get the triple A games out of the way. Yeah, because that's what people want to hear about. So, right, I think the first game that we jumped on was Mass Effect 2, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, the, the actual games. We ran to the harmonics thing, grabbed a bunch of T-shirts, and then ran back. <laughs> uh, played Mass Effect 2. What did, what did you make of Mass Effect 2? Um, I mean, visually, it looks as fantastic as ever. They've done a hell of a lot more work on it. It now feels like when you're shooting the guy in the background that you're actually pulling the trigger and it's having some sort of effect. It's not just a, a dice roll and, you know, all level-based. There's a there's a lot more stuff going on there. Unfortunately, a lot of the, the stuff that I wanted to see with Mass Effect 2, which was more of the kind of the... Characterization. Ca- character interaction stuff, um, wasn't really being shown on the show floor, obviously, just the fact that we're kind of want to make it this big action kick-ass demo for most of the public to see. So, uh, such a hard game to judge. We've only, Christ, I've played for about ten minutes. Yeah. But, uh, it, I mean, it, it looked exactly like everything you've seen through the uh, the teaser trailers they've been playing. But uh, mm. you actually had hands-on, which no bad thing. Did the Browns get a chance to touch Mass Effect Two? 
very briefly, I did, uh, yeah, the shooting mechanic, uh, very, I don't know, I, I'm not used to the, the new shooting mechanic yet, but, uh, it, it's Mass Effect, guys. Um, it is, very much. You know, and, and we saw, you know, some, there was a lot of negative buzz, like, a lot of people say, oh, I, I don't want a shooter in my, in Mass Effect. But we only got a, such a small slice of what Mass Effect 2 is. And so I think people, uh, forget that this is a huge game. Mm. And shooting's but, just one segment of it. I'm assuming it's just a starter off zone when you're a soldier. And I'm assuming later on you do a lot more of the kind of, uh, the biotic and uh, stuff like that, you know? Right. But right. the other Sorry, I was just saying well, the argument's kind of invalid anyway because Mass Effect One, they kind of, they, but they wanted it to be a shooter. It just wasn't a very good one, so you'd always end up going into your, what's it, kind of pause in the game and actually using different, uh, mm. uh, what's it, bionics and, and stuff like that. It's actually, you know, you can still do that in Mass Effect Two. It's just the shooting mechanic is far better than it was in One. You can still pause right. the game and, and set out tactics and send your buddies in to do stuff. So. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily needs to be a complaint. I just think they've uh, they've honed down what was wrong with the first one and improved it. We saw a little bit right. of this. Sorry, Chris, go go. Oh, I was gonna say. Uh, so so for me, when I approach Mass Effect, I want a very enrich, enriching science fiction story, and I think that's we're still gonna get that. Uh, we, I saw bits of that at E3. You know, it's going to be there. All that stuff you love, I, but uh, they enhanced this section of it. Uh, so the demo, you know, it worked well. Hmm. Also, uh, you did get a, a little bit of a conversation going on there, and they were in like a hovercar thing. It was a little bit reminiscent of Episode Two of Star Wars. Bad idea, but <laughs> um, but they were having a conversation, and it, it was a bit less static than just standing in a room. So, I mean, that I'd like to see more of that definitely. But yeah, I mean, I, I am no less excited about Mass Effect Two. It looks great. Um, Kelly, and any did you get in on this? I did not get in on this. Ah. Um, unfortunately, I. I played a little bit of Mass Effect, but not that much, so I didn't really have much interest in it. All right, fair enough. Moving on. Can we? Uh, Halo 3 ODST. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tony, <laughs> uh, you're probably well, the Halo expert on this one. Yeah, it, it comes down to exactly what we have to say about a lot of these, uh, these kind of the big AAA sequels. I think we, we covered two or three of them, but... It basically it arrested my fears exactly, you know, what this game was going to be. You don't necessarily feel like a Spartan. Um, that was the first thing that came across. We played the final no, no, fight. You don't feel like Master Chief. Mate, I would say it goes one further. It doesn't actually feel like, you know, you haven't really got this, this fantastic recharging energy shield that goes up within, you know, mm. five seconds of being hit. And if you just lure her away, you know, it takes, you, you take a hell of a lot more damage. And, well, but give the basic outline of what we were doing. We were playing the, the new firefight mode, uh, which is uh, stolen section. horde mode, let's face it. Yeah, let's face it. But then again, Blade horde mode is just stolen survival mode from you know hundreds of other games. So it's just you know it's, it's implementing it in a you know in, in your own universe, and obviously in a horde mode it works very well within you know, within that gears context. But firefight, it arrested my fears that you know it was just going to be horde mode. I think they've doing some interesting stuff with how the skulls turn on and off, and the way that you can only get health back necessarily if you melee people, um, or you know they bring on the, the whole. Sticky, oh, I can't remember this kind of suicide sticky mode where you just got tons of sticky grenades being thrown at you. So sticky does, suicide mode. Yeah, I, there is a, a name for it. I, yeah, that's terrible. I can't even remember. Um, but all that, I mean, all that stuff is is present and correct. And we played a four game player mode of you, me, Paul, and Edie. And uh, yeah, it, it was a hell of a lot of fun. It was just as fun in in that you know defending our little area with a hell of a lot of troops coming down with us. 
and it, it continues that, that fantastic tradition of you know four player multi multiplayer modes of actually instead of being competitive being co op and it's it works fantastic well. Okay, Chris, your comment. You have yeah. uh, you, you've notified us using the messaging service down here. With it. We should definitely do that actually throughout this podcast. Yeah, a little less uh, tripping over each other. Yeah. Uh, so on the thing I, I I liked playing through Firefight. It does have a different feel to it. Not only in the you know, of course, the enter, the recharge of of your health, you know, is different. Your HUD is different, which now begs the question. Now. Halo 3 ODST comes with all the maps that have been released for Halo 3. 26 so, maps, I mm-hmm. think, yeah, in total. Yeah. So if if the HUD and the way recharge is different, when you play with people playing on the original Halo 3, are you still going to have the different HUD, or is everyone sort of migrating back to that? No, no, base, basically what, playing at Spartans. Uh, what you'll get is you'll get the single player or the the ODST stuff, which will be obviously the single player campaign. And I don't know whether they'll put the firefight mode into that, but the firefight mode is a separate mode from all the Halo 3 stuff. The Halo the multiplayer disc, which contains all the maps, is basically just that. It's it's Halo 3 and all its engine in all its glory. It's probably what is contains on that second disc, and basically has all the the new maps. I think they're releasing three different maps. And that will just be completely Halo free. So you'll be pl- back playing as Master Chief on all okay. these new new free maps, and uh, the ODST stuff is a completely separate gotcha. uh, identity for that. So it's okay. almost like two products. But I mean, if you've never been necessarily into Halo um, and you want to get into it, this would be the perfect release to pick up. Obviously, for it's going around in the UK at the moment for thirty pound pre-order. So if you imagine you get every single Halo free map, so all the ones that I've probably spent in the region of Christ, 20 or 30 pounds, maybe coming up towards 40 pounds, buying all the DLC, well that's just going to be thrown on there for nothing, and uh, yeah, that's that's a good thing, because all, uh, all those maps have been fantastic additions to that universe, and Firefight mode, I can just see it becoming one of those regular things as much as Hulk mode did. Well, let me ask let me ask you this, when you when you open up uh, Halo 3 ODST, you put it in your Xbox 360, what are you going to play first? Are you going to play Firefight, or are you going to play Story, or are you going to play the the, the <laughs> maps you haven't played yet for Halo 3? Most probably the Story. I'm actually more interested to see what they're doing with the um, the universe. Yeah, me personally, I'm going to dive into the, the, the Horde mode. I think a lot of people are going to jump in early. Uh, for me, you know, as much as I love playing through Story with uh, f- three other people... Uh, it it's a you know Halo's the franchise is built on multiplayer so I want to dive in the multiplayer first. Well, I believe the franchise is built on the storyline and the <laughs> multiplayer comes second. But uh, I I think the bigger thing for me will be everything I've seen about the story is whether you play the story in multiplayer because ideally they want you to play it from a single player. It's about being this lone wolf drop down and you know meeting up with a team and and pushing through. Where um, that's where I'm going to be confused where if I jump with three other people and we're all doing that stuff together where that's going to feel slightly out of context but uh, no it's, a, it's another game that just looks like it it can, you know, cements the fact that it's going to be a fantastic release come Christ eight days nine time. days nine days time so yeah doesn't sound like anyone's counting down the days at all <laughs> <laughs> well, I just realised this the other day because obviously we've been gearing up to PAX and we've come back from PAX now and I've, I've realised gaming season is kicking off completely and utterly properly because we've just had obviously Beatles Rock Band and Guitar Hero 5 and uh, next week it's going to be you know, Halo and Grid and not Grid and 
shift and plenty of other big games. Yeah, it sounds like you and Elaine through Twitter are both realizing your pocketbooks are going to be crying um, without having enough money to pay for it all. Yeah, I was going to say, do we have any money left after the Beatles <laughs> rock band? I uh, think over that one day, Elaine and me worked out that we were going to be getting almost seven games between us on that one day. So, holy mackerel. Yeah. Thank God for renting, frankly. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Anyway, so that. moving on. Uh, anything, anything else, Chris? Or you're good? No, no, that was it. I mean, I enjoyed playing Firefight. Uh, I think having some really good folks playing with you is, is going to make that game a, or that that portion of the game a lot of fun. Can I just say that I am very sad that I can't play Halo? Makes <laughs> I, I feel sick. Yeah. I, oh. get, I, get, I get I get motion sickness and panic attacks when I play it. Well, I don't get the panic attacks, but I'm the same with Charles HD. I get sick just looking at it. It could just be my brain right now, but yeah. Yeah, I just, I and, and it's sad because we have so many great community members that love to play it, and we do such community, great community nights, and I can't even sit here and play it, watch it while Lefty's playing it without getting sick. I have to leave the room. Is it different for Left for Dead? See what I did there with the segue? <laughs> <laughs> it, no, is it though? Yeah, Left 4 Dead I can play without a problem. Although, except uh, for except for well, if our listeners listen to to Chet's interview, they'll find out. Um, I, I can play it as long as Lefty's nice. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but but I was I was gonna say at the um, at the Microsoft pre PAX uh, event that Telly and I went to, um, I was playing with a whole bunch of uh, other people who were invited, uh, playing Left 4 Dead too, and there was a woman I was sitting next to. She was playing Coach. And I was sitting right next to her, and she was getting motion sickness, and and I was getting upset because she kept, you know, I felt bad afterwards. I was getting upset at her because she would not, she wasn't picking up her health packs, she wasn't getting weapons, she was running off, she was being, she was. And she was doing she was, everything that someone in a zombie movie would normally do when they get killed. And, and then she stopped, and I was like. What are you doing? Had she been bitten several hours beforehand and she was about to turn and go, ah! No, she was getting motion sickness. Oh. So she, she'd just given up. And uh, so at that point, I felt bad. She should have but, taken pills. Pills. Were, were you yelling at her, shut the effing door? No, I was trying to be a little more polite than that. So, so Left 4 Dead 2, I mean, I, I'm, I only actually only played Left 4 Dead last night. So I've got some sort of basis of how that was working against Stills. But He's played it before. Yeah, you're a massive Left 4 Dead player, as we well know. So, Left 4 Dead 2, really the difference is what was the... Uh, there is a different... Well, I think for me, the most fun and the biggest difference is going to be that it's it's going to be harder. Because this time, they're really coming at you at all sides. In, in the first Left 4 Dead, there was a lot of times where you could sort of like, everyone back... You have your back against the wall, and you you sort of... Don't have to worry about uh, the wall you're standing behind you being broken down. In Left 4 Dead 2, it's much more chaotic, and they are literally coming at you Everywhere. at all sides. And and for players like me who played Left 4 Dead so many times, it's it's fun having to readjust because things like the witch in the daylight moves differently than she did in the first one. She also roams now as well, doesn't she? She doesn't just yeah. stay in yeah. one place. Yeah, yeah. So she sort of hovers, or not hovers, but you know, yeah, walks around. Uh-huh. And you know, so so in addition to, of course, new uh, special infected, which are going to be a lot of fun to play uh, in the versus mode. Uh, you also have uh, melee weapons that you that uh, for Left 4 Dead players, this is an important note. When you use a melee weapon, you don't get tired. 
like you know when you would would do uh you would bash Melee, people yeah. away with your guns uh so you don't get tired but sometimes you know if you're my favorite thing i played uh in the carnival map was the uh the the katana there's a katana in there awesome and, yes and so you know you're slicing off zombies heads but because you do that full swing it takes a few seconds to bring your arm back up uh, so, and then there's a whole bun- bunch of subtle differences. Like now, when you shoot at zombies, you shoot them off in parts. You know, so sometimes when you're shooting you have an at arm them, go off. Yeah, if you're not doing a body. headshot, yeah, they'll lose an arm, or even worse, they'll lose a leg. And you think they're and you think they're done with? They're, they're not. They keep crawling you. at you. So, uh, so it's real. It really is a a. For me, it really is a true sequel. That is what I'm getting, definitely. Yeah, they've made significant improvements, and I'm very. I I, I played uh, at PAX. I played the carnival uh, parts of the car- carnival maps, and then at E3 they also had a different map, a New Orleans map there as well. And there was one other map that they played at some other function that I didn't get to play. But uh, from what I've heard, these are all really exciting new maps. So uh, yeah, this is for me. I had an awful lot of fun playing it at PAX. This is my most anticipated <laughs> game this year. We're all also, surprised. And I also, <laughs> like the, I also like the jockey because he's the new, one of the new infected mm-hmm. because he doesn't he comes at you but he pulls you away from everybody. Where the uh, smoker you can shoot at him because he pulls you with his tongue, right. but you can still shoot him. The jockey is on your back and yes. you have to get around your guy. He's being pulled. To kill the jockey. Yeah. You can't shoot at him from a distance without killing your guy. Yeah, so there's going to be new strategies involved in, yeah. in, in helping your team out. So, that yeah, it's really exciting. So, see, I actually paid attention, Lefty. I didn't just <laughs> play. For, for the little time I played it, I found it hard to necessarily spot all the you know all these little differences. No doubt once you've had five or six hours with it, with at least within this single player campaign with multiplayer. Yeah. Mm. Oh, um, just yeah, sh- mining, mining our P's and Q's, it should also be no- mentioned that they're four new characters as well. As in, instead yeah. of um, Pills. Because it's, it's a brand new area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you're playing as a coach and you're playing as, you know, different uh, protagonists, so mm. to speak. Well, good. Okay. Lego Rock Band. Did anyone have a chance to play it? Didn't play it, but we actually were able to go over there and watch it being mm. played. Mm-hmm. And we do, we had we an interview, interview with Aaron Trites, uh, the uh, the associate community manager at Harmonix. Well, and what did he say? Uh, he said that this is very much oriented to two families. Uh, if if you're if you're more I don't know maybe deeply religious and you had a problem with some of the songs included in Rock Band, this may be a little more up your alley because they're choosing more uh, party songs. Mm. Uh, and they're choosing songs that are that may not have as many objectionable references, so to speak. Let's uh, say that, and then you'll see you, they've got pink and people in there, so you already know that some of the lyrics are going to be slightly different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and one of the songs he said that he was uh, really excited about was the uh, Ghostbuster song. You the theme yeah. song for yeah, Ghostbusters. So. And also it has a super easy mode, so Grandma and the five-year-olds can play together. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't have, you know, that you can... What, tap you, button you every have, 20 seconds? 
And well, no, you don't have to strum and hit the right button at the same time. Yeah. You can either strum or hit a button. So you. It, <laughs> Why doesn't the game just play it for you and go, "Yay, you did it! <laughs> awesome!" <laughs> you, you, you have to think of it. Well done, it. Grandma. Well, come on. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I do understand. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, an accessibility yeah, thing is a very important understood. thing for all these games. Yeah. But not, yeah, my mum couldn't do both at once. Actually, I had to strum for her while she pressed the buttons. And plus, and plus, kids want to feel like they're playing the game, and that's is the 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 best things that if they can motion those things mm-hmm. and still feel like they're accomplishing. That makes a successful family family time. And I had to laugh because they were showing us the character create where you can put the different outfits on the characters. And Aaron Trite was quick to to note to me, and I don't know why he knew this, but you cannot make your guy naked. Oh. He can only be shirtless. He cannot be. He'd just pantless. be an, an old yellow guy, wouldn't he? <laughs> and and yeah, and I thought it was really funny because he turned to me. and He goes, "Now Kelly." He cannot be pantless. And I'm like, <laughs> why are you saying this to me, Aaron? And he just laughed. So I'm like, does he listen to our podcast and knew about the naked kind of avatar stuff. question? I don't know. It was a little scary. If he knew you were coming, he may have listened to one or two of them. And there was a lot of, if you were talking to Elaine at all, lots of pantsless references. Yeah, I don't know. That's scary. We have to set up the, the, the area of the Harmonix booth, actually, because they had four different stages and then one big stage at the back where you could play rock band in front of, you know, the hordes of people sitting there just, you know, wanting to see, you know, this rock band contest going on. It was off. just Beatles rock band, wasn't it? But, um, but no, there was, there was three stages. Well, there's actually two stages of Beatles rock band. No, I mean, the, the one where you're doing it in front of everyone. Yeah, the, the one you're doing in front of everyone. Two, so there was that big stage. There was two state, other stages of Beatles rock band. There was a uh, rock band two stage for people just to you know, play all the, the classes. And I think they had and, the, uh, the DLC content on there as well. Yeah. And, um, then and you I had should the, say, I'm sorry. Uh, I should say the, the Lego rock band is, is, also very different from Rock Band as you know it because of obviously the Lego franchise. You're doing uh, interesting things like uh, you're sometimes you have challenges in which you had to destroy a building using the power of rock. But, uh, but let's not get too far away from what that game is. It's Rock Band Two with a Lego skin stuck over the top of it with a little bit of extra kind of challenge in there. I mean that is the exact same engine. I mean, it's a fantastic engine, so why change it? But it would definitely look like you were just sitting there watching it. Yeah, that is just Rock Band 2 with a, uh, yeah. a Lego skin, which I, well, I wasn't expecting any difference. I'm not necessarily disappointed, but just yeah. to, to lay some maybe arrest some fears out there that, yeah, if you uh, if you want to play a proper Rock Band game, that Lego Rock Band would be just as good as Rock Band 2 with its mm-hmm. own little flavor on it. And the fact that all these songs will be transferable back over into your Rock Band 2 if you don't necessarily want to hang out with the Lego guys. All right. So is it not transferable the other way? No. So you, you can't play Lego Rock Band songs they, of, of they haven't they haven't said they have, disturbed yeah they haven't said yet but but one more thing once they're behind the scene type of things for those who are interested what's interesting about Lego Rock Band is it's not being published through EA this is this is being published through both through the uh, Warner Brothers and mm-hmm. uh, Harmonix mm. so that's uh, that's interesting you know that uh, at least to me that you have you know the EA partners. Uh, not being able to do it because of the Lego franchise, but yet uh, they still their harmonics is free to and 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 uh, MTV are, are free to do this with WB and EA says fine you know we'll still publish you know the Beatles and anything else you bring to us. I, I think that's pretty remarkable for our company. Kelly, you had something to say? 
Now, Chris, you also saw the Beatles rock band for, or not Beatles rock band, I'm sorry, Legos rock band for the DS. Yes. And Hang that, on, did how, you just say Legos rock band? It's Lego. Lego yeah. Sorry. Anybody who says Legos is off my friends list. Nah. Well, F you, Oh my god, I can't believe you said Legos! Sorry. <laughs> he still hasn't replied about that. Nah, he's hiding. <laughs> And I should say, for the record, we like Cooper a lot. Oh, yeah, we love him. It's awesome. <laughs> no, but, Lego Rock Band no. for the DS. How is that comparative to Lego or to Rock Band on the PSP? It's very much the same, and but with some Lego element added to it. So if, you, if you're talking about gameplay for Lego Rock Band for the DS, or excuse me, yeah, yeah, uh, go check out Rock Band for the PSP. It's... In terms of gameplay, you're still getting that same style, but with a little bit of Lego action put in there as well. Just just to finish off some of the Lego stuff, um, I I believe there's there's this weird deal with um, uh, Warner Brothers as well. Trans- it's one of the reasons that Harmonix have been getting on so well with all their DLC stuff because they've been in bed with um, Warner Brothers Music and Activision has had this ongoing battle with licensing fees and royalties for them. So um, I know there was something to do about Lego and. Uh, the reason they got that license as well, I, I wonder whether that was somewhat of a sweetener for that company is somewhere well, you can be, you know, the licensee for this stuff within your company. So I don't know, it'd be interesting to see the full story of that as and when it comes out. Well, like, it's not, what's it due out for about November time, November, December? Legos Rock Band? Yeah. Yeah, you got me doing time, it now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. In, in time for Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's push off. It's Lego. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, need for speed, shift, and split second. Should we talk about these next to each other? Because they're kind of both, um, and also Forza 3. Three car racing games, three very, no, two very different styles. <laughs> Let's face <laughs> it. Um, right, so need for speed, shift, and Forza 3 we'll talk about maybe in tandem, and then we'll go on to split second. So we got a walkthrough on need for speed, shift, by uh, one of the uh, PR guys who was very helpful to us. Uh, and... Um, yeah, it's it's a, a realistic car racing game that I can play, and it's a good Need for Speed game. Would you what? That's two completely incomprehensible sentences at once. I, I don't like um, realistic car racing. I don't know why, but um, but you know, it's, I, I was really impressed by it. It um, it felt a bit like Grid. What, what do you guys think? Mm, did it feel like Grid? Did you see it? I actually haven't seen Shift, uh, although I saw the Need for Speed Wii version. But uh, I hmm. saw Shift very little. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did see Shift. Imagine um, the green racing line of Forza Three, and you're pretty much there. <laughs> no, Shift. Shift. I mean, if you imagine Shift to be somewhat stuck between um, the realistic driving of um, Forza and uh, Gran Turismo, and See, then you once you say arcade, it it's not arcade, but it, it's not. Yeah, but it, 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 it's not a simulation. It has got an arcade, arcadia feel. Than um, how about just the arcade version of Gran Turismo? Yeah, because the, the original game had. Yeah, it, it's down. slightly less. I mean, I, I, apparently you can adjust it to be a simulation if you want. But I think the standard the mode, they're, yeah, they're setting up is not, is not that. But what I can say, and they were very much um, wanting people to go in cockpit view because mm. that's their their big selling point. Is that 
fact that the in cockpit sounds, what well, sounds, looks, and feels the inertia. Very, yeah, very. Yeah, and exactly, it is the inertia you feel every time you brake. You can feel your, you know, the shifting of the the camera inside the car pushing you forward. Yeah, it, it sort uh, of almost goes into a tunnel vision when you're going fast down a particular yeah, lane. Yeah, you, yeah, you're taking corners and you're really being thrown around, and like the tire screeches sound like the the, the rubbers r- literally ripping apart. It just feels very much like you're inside a car racing, you know, a huge horsepowered beast. And that's something more than I think a lot of these other games. I mean, um, even inside the the cockpit view of Forza that I was playing, um, that was very kind of. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it was very sterile. You know, you're inside this car, you're just moving around, you're just following the track. So you you default to the out out cockpit view for the. Uh, uh, I don't nowadays. I tend to fall back, you know, inside of them because they you know, they just feel a little more re- re- realistic. And if you played Grid, you would know this. If you played it on the outside, it was a terrible game. You played it within the inside of the cockpit. <laughs> View is actually an absolutely amazing game. I had fun outside the car, but I couldn't get very far because I keep crashing and I'm not very good driving. Yeah. But um, no, I I think the bigger problem here is that I've said this before that it it looks like it's a a must-have racing game if you're into these if you're into racing games. And but it's coming out of a season where there's too many must-have racing games. Possibly Gran Turismo Five. We don't know. There's still a Five running running on it, but it's definitely Forza Three. And um, what what what. We, we know we're getting, um, we know Forza 3 is going to sell bucket loads anyway, uh, and Need for Speed is going to sell purely on its name, but the Need for Speed crowd aren't necessarily people who are going to appreciate this the most. I, I think that the most selling thing about it is with the, talking, talking with the guy who's actually doing the community for this, he was actually a developer on the last two Need for Speed games, mm-hmm. and when he puts his hands up and says, you know what, those, those two games weren't very good at all, and this is why EA took a bit of a break and, you know, and, and just rethought the whole strategy. Mm. Now, the stupid thing about that, he may say, say that, but they sold pretty damn two mm. or three million copies, so I don't think the franchise is any dire need of, of needing a shake-up, but I'm happy they have, because this is certainly, for yeah. once, an Eva Speed game I will actually be picking up and probably... Uh, I'll probably rent it first, but if I really like it that much, I may actually put down some money. But with Forza are free lurking around the corner, which, by the way, that's exactly what you want it. If you like Forza, this one just looks a hell of a lot more better. Um, and I played it in a lovely free free screen setup with a, sitting in a, a chair and a wheel. <laughs> like like the, the chance we'd ever have that. <laughs> well, you know, and what was strange about Forza Three is. This may actually be, you know, we're not big racing fans, but this may actually be a racing game that Kelly would want us to pick up just because they've tried very, very hard to, uh, to marry the, uh, the new, uh, racing game simulators, simulation players with the people who played these simulation games for years and years by having some, uh, some things that, you know, that, Help newbies like us uh, get along, like uh, time reverse and and uh, other type of things that uh, help introduce us and and have an enjoyable experience in the game. But also, those things can be turned off if you're if you're hardcore and uh, you just want to have that realistic driving simulation. I I think this is where the, all these racing games have learned very very quickly. Where if you release a really sterile um, simulation racing game into the market the chances are that if you know, it only takes a few people to go oh no that's too hard and turn you off it where I mean Forza can be as hard as the best of them and um, 
having modes such as auto brake and auto you know you know assist steer into the corner is a very very big thing for them um it's yeah. just admitting you know what not everybody can be at this level upon entering it and it's giving you a chance i mean the fact that hearing kelly liking it and wanting to buy it tells me everything i need to know that stuff like that does work and hopefully that you know over a at two or three hours that you can start coming off the auto brake and, and learning the tracks and, you know, becoming a, a better racer. Yeah. And, and this is great for, for Microsoft too, because we know, we absolutely know we're getting Forza 3 before GTA mm. or excuse me, uh, Grand, GTA. Grand, yeah. yeah, excuse me, Gran Turismo. Mm. Uh, and seeing a fully developed game possibly done right i mean we've heard r- rumors now that finally gran turismo will have damage to your cars which you know <laughs> most other games have had for you know for a good five years it's like a, a, a sandbox game where they're like now you can get into cars as well what <laughs> right right so so the you know for lack of a better word the industry leader gran turismo is now being shown up by these these uh newer uh companies and uh and to have something like Forza 3 come out first, playable, you get to see all the features and not just have this little prologue that you've been playing for the past two, or well, nearly two years, <laughs> is a big step for the guys at, at Microsoft uh, Game I'd, Studios. I would actually say for Sony, I I wonder how beneficial it would be for them to get Gran Turismo out before I mean if they were talking it's going to be out there's rumors it'll come out in December I wonder whether you should have a bit of a gap between them now honestly because I think if you're a hardcore racing fan you're going to be picking up Forza and you're probably going to be picking up um, Shift as well and no doubt you would have picked up Dirt 2 recently Um, and that's just your realistic racing game so if you're a a racing game driver I I don't know I'd I think Gran Turismo still has a huge place within that market, oh, yeah. and I think to kind of undersell it would be wrong because that has pushed units in the past. I just the other guys have caught up, and I think they were expecting Forza to, ca- to catch up. But to see Need for Speed Shift uh, uh, come into the market at this late stage and almost show up Gran Turismo, from what I've seen as well, must be starting to become a worry for Sony. That yeah, we need to get this product pro- uh, product out. We can't just sit here for five years. And wait yeah. for it to mature any longer. It, you know these guys have caught up. Yeah. But on the well, other uh, ha- other end yeah. of that. Well, I was going to say really quickly, uh, Jonathan from the Target Demographic and I have this uh, this bet that at Tokyo Game Show he thinks uh, Sony will announce Ground Turismo shipping this holiday. I yeah, think they're. All, I just think they're going to announce Gran Turismo on the PSP will be shipping. Which so I played. We, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Right. Okay. On the other side of the driving spectrum, is that what you were driving at, Tony? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. What you were driving at? Good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Split second. Segway. Segway. All right. Let's put the brakes on these set. Oh, segway. Come. Yeah. <laughs> let's let, let let's swerve to the other side. Okay. Let's drift into <laughs> split second, shall we? Um, Let's That's take better. a second That's to good. go over there. Let's detonate split second. <laughs> but we've got so much to cover, guys. It's Come too on. much. We can't. Okay, right. Focus, people. Right. Split, split second. Split second. Uh, awesome. He's sort of describe it. It's like, I, 
Yeah. It's awesome. Easiest way to describe it if you haven't seen it, guys. It's like burnout, only rather than trying to constantly boost yourself, uh, you press the A button and the B button to trigger small and massive explosive events around you, uh, and you have to accrue uh, points in the same way by drifting to actually trigger them off. And basically, you the, the idea is to mess with your uh, your opponents and try to sort of divert the track and throw them off. And it, it's it's pretty awesome to watch this this one airport level we've seen over and over again. But it was great fun to play as well. Yeah, and we were just talking about uh, up and comers, you know, making making these great games and showing the the uh, older people, o- older gamer games, established games, how to do things. BlackRock out of Australia. Before this, they made Pure. Mm, They're now, I, you know, they have a string of really solid, different racing type games and they've now become a studio that like i can't wait to see what they ha- they have next they're they're a name now black rock it's, it's going to be like valve i'm sure the easiest way to describe it is burnout on speed you see what i did oh stop that. saying on uh, speed on <laughs> steroids on <laughs> but uh, no it was it's, it's but really seriously it's, it's a it's a game that that is blowing things out of the water the fact that you you're interacting with the environment. You're right. messing with it. You know, you're going through, you're literally going over and over in the environment, yeah. but you blow it up to then go into the terminal of the yeah. airport. You remember when, when Sega Rally came out and they were going, well, you'll, you'll actually have to, you can impact your environment. Look at these mud tracks. Every time, <laughs> you, go, every time you go by, those mud tracks will be there. Well, in this one, you just blown up the control tower. Now every time you go by, <laughs> there will be a freaking control tower in that path. Or you could bring down a plane to blow the crap out of the the, the runway. That'd be but awesome. exactly. But it's not only that. I mean, once you've blown the controller tower, if you do that with on the first lap, then that's the entire track change from the entire for the exactly. say it's a free lap rate for the next two laps. You have to go an alternative route, or if you blow a section of road out, you can then jump out different sections. Uh, there's little shortcuts that if you have certain abilities built up in your bar, if you press the button quickly, you can nip through a shortcut. When once you've gone through it, the door will slam back down, but it will catch necessarily a car on top of you know car will smash into it because they have attempted to follow you but haven't quite made it but it's, it's not got- just a choice of should i do this or should i not because if you don't do it in time someone else might do it for you like if yeah. you're playing against humans but even if you're playing against other players it's, it's more like mario kart in that in that sense in that sort of they will take your bonuses and they will mess you with it but it's just and yeah and this is just this is just one level that we played the airport level and i tell you if if they release this this thing as a demo it will sell copies. It yeah, was yeah, just so yeah. much fun playing. It was almost my game of the show. I think um, I just I I wasn't I'd, I'd heard a lot of people really you know saying that previously from E3 oh it looks amazing and it's not until you got the hand you know the control in your hands and you and you race around it's like this is Burnout the way I remember it and not Burnout Paradise plus all this extra stuff they can you can stick on the side and I can imagine this within the multiplayer scenario being really really entertaining uh the only thing i would say at the moment is the frame rates are a little choppy um although it looks amazing i mean they're gonna what's out in i think they said early january so it's got a few months to actually be tweaked and as i've said before i've only ever seen the airport level so i want to see at least something other than that before i make this huge claim that this will be an absolute must buy but uh from the early stuff we played and it caught so many people by surprise just walking past it because i had it right next to this this you know gangway uh through the through the center so you couldn't help but just keep on bumping into it and every time i did i was like one more go thank thank you very much so fantastic right next up 
Hang on a second. We've got uh, Dante's Inferno, or, or God of War, as it's often known. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Right, very quickly. We've got to do these quick. Yeah, yeah we've got to do these quick. Right, because uh, we have done what's here? Uh, Forty-two minutes already. That's like half our time. So at least. Okay, right. Dante's Inferno looks very much like God of War. Is that a bad thing? I think not. You know, it's, it's going to be a multi-platform. Uh, it, it controls very much like God of War. It's even got the sort of, you know, your hammer R2 uh, when it tells you to at the exact same place. It, rather than just sort of saying, hit R2, you've got to run to a specific place, and it has a little hovering R2 uh, around there and a little circle button. So it's literally like God of War. It controls the same as God of War. That's not a bad thing. Well, did you say you were talking to a developer who said um, there's a whole bunch of, like, uh, football well, hits yeah. out there? Yeah. yeah, I think it was a producer on the game. He said, look, you know... Everyone says it's like God of War, and I said, well, it is very much like God of War. Let's face it, he said, yes, and there's a whole lot of uh, racing games out there and the, you know, that look like each other, and there's a whole lot of you know, Pacific games he was going on. And I was like, y- you know what, there isn't that many games that can be up to the level of God of War. So maybe he's right. And the fact that it is multi-platform is obviously a, a plus point in its books. Now, the thing is, if it just copies God of War, that probably is a problem. Um, but you know, from what the demo we played... It looked fantastic. Uh, we were killing some of the huge bosses, and it very much looks like God of War 3 on occasions. Um, but it's whether it's got enough style of its own to kind of separate itself from that. And that we'll have to find out a bit closer to the time. I still think it's due 2010 again, so mm. they've got enough time to kind of maybe separate itself. But yeah, it, <laughs> I predict they'll bring it out the same week as God of War for all those uh, 360 <laughs> fans who are green with envy. Right, uh, so it won't sell so well on the PS3, but the 360 it'll sell bucket loads, like they did with... Um, bringing out uh, Prototype at the same time as uh, Infamous. Infamous, yeah. It got all those people who were like, nah, me wanty, but it's on another console. Um, and it snared that crowd too. Right, okay, so Dark Void, Tony played... Oh, sorry, hang on. Did Chris or Kelly play Dante's Inferno at all? No, I saw it at E3, but I haven't had a chance to play it. I didn't play it at all. forgot you went to E3. Um, okay, and Tony, Dark Void? I never played this. Yeah, move on to some of the other stuff. I, I, I played the demo for 45 minutes and really, really enjoyed it. If you followed Dark you, Void... You liked it? You liked Dark Void? Why? I, Did you I, not? I, I, that whole flying rocketeer mechanic uh, got Vertical old for flying. me fast. It Is really it the, got old for me. Possibly one of the reasons I liked it is I played the, I've seen the game being played so much online, all this kind of the preview stuff, that when it actually came to my turn to play it, I was doing all the, you know, moving up the rocks, the vertical climbing stuff with real ease. And, uh, to the fact that I actually unlocked a 50 point achievement for doing some, uh, cool moves, doing like this vertical takedown thing. I, I don't know, the, the, the Rocketeer stuff, it's something I haven't really seen done very well in the game before. And I think they've kind of captured that. It's, it's early to say, but, uh, I could see if you, weren't necessarily got ahead for kind of the heights and kind of this this camera swinging around every time you went over a ledge that could yeah. I mean I was watching some people play the demo in front of me and they were having a horrendous time yeah that, that would that that was me at E3 I was just and and at E3 Cap, the Capcom booth was so unhelpful so that also impacted my my uh, dissatisfaction with it so I'm glad that you liked it because it looked great I think everyone at Capcom was kind of nervous that they might all catch swine flu at this year, so uh, that, that would be why they were a bit sort of, you know, yeah, yeah you play, now go. Um, <laughs> no, I, had, I had a very helpful guy there. I mean, at least, at least he showed me how I could invert the controls around. And, and the irony was, a- was there was actual swine flu at PAX. <laughs> right, Can okay. I just say this is a big thing? Yeah. I hate being inverted. Because you go to these shows and everything is set as normal, because yeah. on the 360, obviously, you have it. And I you're a weirdo. It's like being a lefty. It, it is. Right. Like, the, 
But why do you have it inverted? I'm not going to go into the reasons of why, but I just yeah, didn't. No, but- You're always on about me about if I complain about bad control scheme. You're like, well, you got to learn that control scheme, Alex. <laughs> oh. Let's not get into inverted. <laughs> okay, see heavy you, rain. Save it for another show. Heavy rain. <laughs> did, did you guys play it? I did. I did. I did. Yeah. What do you think? Let me know, because every time I went, the lines were too long. What I did couldn't you even see it. I, I looked all over the place for it. Did you it? go into the Sony booth, Al? Uh, it was, the Sony booth was too, <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say that that Sony booth was too small because they had mega hit God of War 3 right uh, next to mega hit Uncharted 2 uh, and right next to mega hit Heavy Rain. And so there was very little room to get And there was one demonstration each for those. I mean, that's just, it was ridiculous. I mean, Uncharted 2. You can see why I didn't even notice it around. I knew it was there, but I was, every time I was walking around, it was like I was attracted to something else because it was so, so much on display. The size of their booth was tiny compared to, I mean, even someone like Bethesda who's just showing wet and, um, you know, most of the games that are coming, the Raven Squad. Um, they had a bigger booth than Sony, and it was <laughs> Which was hell? bigger, the Sony booth or the booth with those guys who were selling the eyewear to protect your eyes during gaming? <laughs> Did you play on that? It made my eyes ache after oh, one oh, game oh. on Guitar Hero. It was unbelievable. Oh, um, Kel- uh, Chris, you, you've played Uncharted 2. Your, your thoughts? Yeah, well, while we're talking about the, the Sega area, Uncharted 2, uh, we got to play the part of the story, hands-on, and I tell you, Uncharted, the first Uncharted was my favorite game, or is my favorite game on the PS3. Uncharted 2 may, may, may trump that. It, in that little demo that you get to play, you get, you get to see all the major elements to help you really decide if this is the game for you. So you have the, uh, the shooting mechanic at work, you have the sort of the, the puzzle solving, you know, where do I jump to, how do I get, get around objects, and you, you get a, a, a bit of the, of the storyline as well, and it, it just hit all the spots and been going, oh yeah. gosh. Was it the bit with I, the helicopter? Um, it, well, yeah, I, well, I didn't get all the way to the end, but I got to the, uh, you're, you're in the Jeep arriving to an area and you sort of find out that the, the town you're in is surrounded by all these mercenaries. Right. And yeah, so, uh, it just, it, it looks awesome. It, we've all heard reports of how they're maxing out the PS3 for it. Well, it, it, I don't know about that, but it really looks, it looks fantastic. Polished yeah. and, and this is, this is probably on my list of games I was looking forward to this year. This was third. And, uh, now that I have the Beatles rock band, this is this is my number two game of the of the year. I, I'll just say one quick thing about Uncharted as well. Uh, Uncharted. Heavy um, rain. Heavy rain. Um, I don't think it was the perfect environment to show it off. Obviously, mm. you could barely hear yourself think at the uh, the height of the uh, oh, yeah, of packs. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, you could look at the, the dialogue and stuff, and you know, you're having this personal moment with um, your son on the, on the dinner table and telling him to do his homework with your ear pressed up to the speakers trying to work out what's going on. Yeah. And one of the things I didn't necessarily like from what I played, it, it did seem somewhat the animation between going from, to and from, from what we've seen in the trailers looks amazing. But actually in reality when you're playing it was a little bit stilted. It was very much get up, deadpan face, move, you know, move to something you were trying to do. But the, the kind of the button prompting of, you know, moving different joysticks is, uh, for, you know, achieving different tasks and, all the little stuff that you've seen through the trailers, that all kind of works. I just, I don't know, I, I was just upset to see some of the kind of the more stilted stuff that I remember from Fahrenheit or Indigo Prophecy. Is it, it can be about it. Yeah, that's, that's the UK version. Um, 
Hang on, Kelly can speak about iPad. Kelly, would you like to speak about iPad? iPad was a fun little toy. <laughs> you, I showed you, didn't I, Alex? Didn't I show you the video that I took of iPad? Um, yes, yes, you did. I, I, I'd, I'd actually already seen the trailer um, uh, when we were back in England. Uh, but okay. yeah, what, what did you think? Um, it's a it's a really cute little thing. It's a little like um, this furry alien dog kind Almost of thing. Almost like a Furby. Yeah, it kind of looks like a Furby kind of thing. And what they were showing on the floor was um, you could draw a little car or an airplane, and you put this little looks looks like a mouse pad down, and he pops up. I call it a him because it looks like a male pet to me. It does. And yeah. He pops he pops up and he looks at your little picture and he kind of computes it in his head, he kind of turns his little head and looks at you and he pulls out a crayon and pops it into his mouth and he draws it and holds it up to you and you click at him or like clicks the little pad that you agree that that's what you drew. Mm. And then he, he animates it for you and then you get, you get, um, animate it or control it. And draw, drive it around or fly it around and you can hit the, the i the iPad with it. And you can also then use the same little, um, mouse pad to feed your iPad. And, um, it comes up, this little container comes up and you put your little mouse pad up and it empties it into a little cup and you put it into a, a pet bowl and the iPad goes over there and he eats it. This sounds remarkably complicated. It, it was cute though, but it's funny because it's on a table, and I don't know if it, it's obviously a parameters thing. Mm. And um, because people were trying, the kid that was playing while I was there tried to knock the iPad off the table because uh-huh. like, you can sweep your hand along, and the iPad only goes a certain distance. Like he hit it. Was hard. he hanging in like midair at all at some point? He didn't um, understand at- there was like a space there. Yeah, at one point he was hanging off the edge of the table. It was kind of funny. And they said, because he actually, the PS3 actually failed out. And so I think that that was a problem with it. But he did kind of suspend. And I don't know if it's a parameter thing or what, but it was, it was pretty cute. I, I want an iPad. Oh, okay. Um, Tony, go. The funny thing is, a lot of been, people have been saying that iPad is actually like the forebearer to Natal. And um, having now actually played it, and I actually do really like it, I think it's a cute little uh, uh, thing, certainly for kids as well. But I think a lot of it, the drawing stuff, yes and no. I mean, it, it, the guy said, draw whatever you want, uh, and you know, it will trace it. So we drew a balloon, for, and you literally have to type, you know, have to tap the thing where you're going to say, I'm going to use a balloon, otherwise it doesn't understand what it's meant to do with that object. So mm. it, it needs to have some sort of simulation of what you're doing. Mm. So we did the balloon, but we also did a, try to catch it out. We did this big smiley face in the balloon, and it spent about 20 seconds longer. I, I feel like it really should have because it was going, uh, what have they done other than the out, outline of the balloon? Mm-hmm. And it, th- then it just went, no, you drew a balloon. And, yeah, the outline of the balloon was perfectly fine, but the smiley face on it was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to register that. So I think it does has it have its lim- uh, limitations. But um, also the thing I think really does differ it from something Natal is that you're using this it, – it doesn't – it's an it's an eye toy essentially so it, it's just looking at the plane and you could use your hand and it will recognize your hand the same as it would recognize your your elbow or your foot as a uh, as a me- uh, mechanic it's just basically looking for a solid object in there hence why they give you this card so it, it by the sounds of it, it doesn't have this brain of its own to recognize you know different fingers as as, so, as such we've been told in the tower can 
So, um, but it, it was good fun. I mean, I, I really enjoyed kind of, because you could actually comb the pet and you could teach the pet to do different things. And it's, it's, by the sounds of it, it's got, uh, maybe a 45 minute to an hour's worth of gameplay. Actually, you know, you gotta feed the pet and make sure it's fine. And it, it's, but it's nothing long lasting. So it's, you're not gonna turn off your PS3 and come back and, uh, the pet's gonna remember what you do yesterday. It's, it's just for that one gaming session. So, uh, I think it's, it's definitely something for the kids. And, uh, it's a nice innovation of, uh, using the iToy a bit further as well. So I'm actually probably gonna pick it up because it was good fun. Certainly, we've had my nephews around. Yeah, I was going to say, if you got your kids, for them, it would blow them away. I think. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I didn't notice was I didn't notice if you could kind of pet it, like if you could kind of scratch, it. like if you put your hand over the iPad, if you scratched it, like you would scratch you, your dog or your cat. You Did could you notice that. You could if you go into the parameter. I mean, this is where a lot of it changed. You had to literally go into the parameters and tell it, like, it's now going to be bath time or it's now going to be comb time. So the game could actually simulate what you were going to be doing with your hand at that point. So if you, so you give time, it the context and then it reacts. Yeah, as, you, then it, yeah, sure. the pet would know what to react. But it's still kind of freaky that you could draw something and it will sit there and play with it, that, you know, take it off the screen. So it's got some neat ideas in there. It's just not necessarily as... as could you as draw... Something. A big purple bird. (laughs) (laughs) You could probably draw a plane that looked like a big purple bird and it would fly around in that. Nice. No, it's context, but, uh, yeah, I I was actually. Peter Molyneux has this whole idea sewn up with his, uh, he's pitching Milo as a super Tamagotchi, so it's possible that when you turn Milo off, when you come back, he'll remember you. So I'm, 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 I'm still holding out for Molyneux's project on this one. I mean, the pet looks nice and it's like a toy, but I'm, I think I'm holding out for Milo. Anyway. That's all. Right. Uh, so, I mean, the other, the other two games that I've got down here that people will be very excited about are uh, Diablo 3 and, wow, Cataclysm. Um, Diablo 3 we saw, and it looked like a dungeon crawler. And you got you guys? I didn't, I see, didn't it. see it. Uh, Kropotkin, it was his game of show, I believe. If, if you like running around dungeons, killing skeletons, and taking the loot they drop, it is going to be awesome. But yeah, also well, wait a when, few years. Yeah. <laughs> You know, my when, we, when we did our elevator episode of the Married Gamers, mm, first uh, about we so uh, we decided since a lot of uh, this since, is funny since a lot of podcasts were doing their po- live shows from uh, from a bar, you know they would rent out space, cost them thousands of dollars to do this. We said, well, you know what, for free, we're going to ride up and down our our hotel elevator, and we're <laughs> just going to randomly ask people what they liked at PAX. And uh, the the overall game of choice from PAX was in was in this order: uh, Borderlands. We mm-hmm. got the most positive responses. Uh, Diablo three, I believe, came in second, and then we had uh, yeah. you know Halo three, ODST, and, and and a smattering of other things, including the Beatles and stuff. But uh, yeah, Di- people were waiting literally over an hour just to get time with Diablo three. I like the way that you had one guy just he, he came there to play Super Smash Brothers Brawl for the entire weekend. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, Fair we'll get on to the nature of the packs goers in a bit because that's the most interesting thing to me. But this isn't a podcast for uh, Diablo talk or Starcraft talk. Nah, or, if you uh, like Diablo, you know why it's going to be awesome. Yeah, uh, Borderlands. Everyone seems to love this game. I never got the chance to play it. What, what did you guys think? Well, I got a chance to play it and. You know what? That game to me didn't necessarily demo very well in that environment. Um, it's obviously uh, it's a first-person shooting RPG game, and yes, you could get the visual style, and it looks you know check online, it d- it does look fantastic, but I, I couldn't really get a concept of. Uh, well, I could see my uh, my 
my character leveling up, but the, this feature set, there's hundreds of guns to collect. I mean, they were dropping everywhere. And I, you know, I couldn't really work out which was a better gun for me to use in these, you know, situations. And I couldn't also work out the situation, uh, cause you really need to rely on your three other teammates, of which for best, best play, uh, best in, in playing if you got three other people playing those characters rather than just AI. But I, you know, I had three random other people playing on this, the same kind of demonstration with me and nobody was really understanding what was going on. Mm. So, um, well, a bad kind of demonstration, but I, I got the idea of that, yeah, I think taken outside of this and given, you know, three or four hours of sit down and playing, I'm mm. probably going to fall in love with it. Well, Kelly got a, more of a one on one hands on at the Microsoft pre packs thing. Uh, Kelly, can you say anything about Borderlands? Uh, except for that it was phenomenal. Now, you you used to be an FPS-type player, but as of as of lately, that sort of dropped off. Uh, is this one that you... Is Borderlands... What, what, you, you said you loved it. So what, yeah. what appealed to you about this game? What might bring you back to the land of FPS gaming? I, I think it's just a simple fact that it's it's a different type of FPS. The fact that it's it's a more of a... And this is going to sound weird to, to listeners from coming from me. It's more open world. Um, the <laughs> fact that the characters are a little bit different in that, um, the, the, the sort of cartoony look to it. Yeah, but you're, you're going into another world trying to collect, you're collecting, um, the, you're mining basically mm-hmm. you're you're trying to collect um this this ore and there's other people there as well and it's a uh, there's these and, and tony you saw it if you played it a little bit you saw the the bugs and the mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to describe them they're 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 aliens um but there's also like i mentioned on our show there's um one excuse me one of the characters has a bird that you have to you have to train to become basically another weapon and the fact that you are picking up these weapons along as as you're going along and there's over a million weapons and you're never going to pick up the same type of weapon it's going to have a different type of weapon combination combination yeah but see i played i played t human and that that game had a thousand and you know hundreds of thousands of weapons and uh Sometimes that doesn't matter if you just want, you know, one weapon. You ended up just going, well, I've got all this tat and I don't care. I just want this, you know, I've got this one cool weapon. But it also meant the weapon progression all the time was like, okay, I've got to change my weapon again because this one is point one better all the time. But I mean, that's kind of an MMO type thing. And this is kind of what it's a four player. MMO. I mean, it's. Mm, but when you get into a certain level on an MMO, you kind of stick with one weapon that's been hard gained for many, many levels. Surely, right. when you get to a certain point. But right? the interesting thing about these weapons is that the game will actually generate weapons that even the developers didn't know. So I remember, yeah, yeah, I remember hearing a story about there was a rocket launching shotgun. Nice. Um, which you know, a the bicycle developer gun, maybe? didn't even know was possible, and it just oh, you know, yeah. because someone had played it long enough that you know the. The game had finally gone. Okay, well, how about this? I mean, don't, I don't quite know how one of those work, but it sounds freaking awesome. Uh, I, but I bet, I bet you there's going to be an achievement for picking up so many different types of weapons. I'm sure one there will be. Billion weapons. 
Now, I, I, the thing that actually really interests me is that it, there is a, a class set system to it. So you have the, the berserker class and you have the magic class. Uh, so you've got your tank and your magic and then you've got you know, your all-round. Uh, I think there is even a hunter class as well. So I think given the right kind of people, if we all get into this and we can all sit and play our proper class very much similar to WoW, and I think, you know, that has a good chance if it's got a very long campaign by the sounds of it, it does, that it, it could be a real success on Xbox Live to say, right, you know, do you want to see my, my character with this ridiculously, you know, um, rocket firing shotgun that I managed to find, you know, 20 hours in? Um, so yeah, I, I have no fears that that game is going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm definitely a purchase for me. Right. Uh, any more games that are AAA titles that we need to talk about? I don't know. There was more, but let's, let's push on, I think. The Browns? I think there's tons more, but yeah, there's just... I think the only thing I just very, very minorly touch on that I actually played was uh, Star Trek Online. I had a lot of fun with that. Right. Okay. So, and this is going to become a uh, catchphrase for us. Shank! And dust. <laughs> Shank! You already, you already have a catchphrase. Which, which is? Good God, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, all the time. We can have two catchphrases. Happy trails. And I go, Shank. Shank. For, Let's talk about for, Shank. For our listeners, uh, Shank the game, but, but now Shank is a catchphrase for anything containing awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's, uh, to me, cat, uh, it, Shank would be uh, if you're uh, cutting through the bullshit, just, just, just going straight to the point and but, going, Shank! Let's let's preset this up, and obviously all these are massive AAA games we've been talking about, and they all do very well for themselves. I have no doubt about that. And one of the high, one of the things I took away from all of that was, yep, yeah, all these games that you expect were going to be fantastic. Guess what? They're going to be fantastic, and you're going to enjoy them over the next, you know forthcoming probably six months because a lot of them come spring next year. But um, some of the little games, there was a, a massive uh, contingent of these smaller games. So there was. Um, Shank in particular, but there there was lots of other little tiny developers in there that were actually just showing their games off. Some of them not without publishers, some of them with publishers. There was a big indie uh, Microsoft uh, Dream, Dream Build Play festival there. Um, there was just lots of little independent stuff, and quite frankly, some of them had big as bigger booths as the big guys. So um, there there was almost equal opportunity to to shine here as a smaller developer. And Shank was. One of those examples where it pretty much took Game of Show from <laughs> underneath all these massive AAA games, and there's this tiny little game Shank that everybody's talking about. So Alex, Shank. Right, we've got a chance to talk to Jamie Cheng, who Chris introduced to us uh, by bringing him into the live PAX show we did on Sunday. And um, I then went straight over to Shank to actually play it and, and have him talk me through it. It's basically a uh, side-scrolling, Metal Slug-style beat-em-up, where you use a combination of shanking folks, uh, shooting them with your guns, you've got a shotgun, you've got a chainsaw, and uh, you, it's, it's basically a case of weakening them up and then hitting them with the right combination of different attacks uh, and, and, and progressing to the right. And it's got Samurai Jack-style graphics. I suppose there's no other way I can really think of, of how to describe it. It's hyper-violent, um, you know, it's got a chainsaw. Um, so it, it it was being played without a machine declared. It's Xbox. It's Xbox. Um, on an Xbox pad and uh, earlier in the day, a Dreamcast pad. But it feels to me, and this is my prediction of PAX uh, 09, Shank is going to be one of the centerpieces of Xbox's uh, Summer of Arcade 2010. That is my prediction. 
because uh, this feels like a 1200 point game most certainly and uh, I, I, I really cannot wait until uh, Jamie Chen can come back on the show and talk about it in more depth um, d- look for uh, I'm going to probably put a link to the trailer on the website just so that we can really get people checking this out because um, it, it's worth checking out would you say? Oh, absolutely. It's a, it just, I love the animation style. I love how they really know their sense of where to put the action on the screen in, in the cutscenes alone. Uh, but in terms of the look and appeal of, of the fighting style, uh, I like it when, you know, it's, it's larger than life. It's graphic, but not in, but in a comic sense of, of, of the term. So even though, you know, even though you're stuffing a grenade down a person's throat, <laughs> it is you, you can still watch it and and just laugh. I mean, it, it is it yeah. is just it's so full of of awesome, so full of shank. <laughs> you can get away with the ultraviolet. So full of shank. <laughs> that is, it's a it's a phrase. It's a phrase now. But I mean, look, I mean, dishwasher samurai, um, uh, castle crashes. Uh, I was going to say Fat Princess, but I, I guess that's got the blood as well. And you know, you can get away with it in the cartoon style. And let's face it, if it was, it would be almost Gears of War level style of violence if you were to take it into some sort of 3D space. Because it's uh, more like would... Mad World, actually. Only uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A, bit, a bit less. Um, let's hope it's less samey than Mad World, because after a while, it, by the sounds of it, I never got to play Mad World, but it sounds like it's a great game for about an hour or so, and then it's like, come on, enough, yeah. enough Greg Proops in my ear. Cheers. I, th- I think in the end of that, it's got a fairly you know simple comp- uh, combo system. Yeah. You, you know, you can pin people down with your knives. You can, as you can say, stuff a grenade in their in their in their heads and watch them blow up, and uh, you know, hit people with a chainsaw and stuff. All that kind of good stuff. But I think the reason it stood out from the crowd is it, it's visually it's something that I haven't really seen be attempted in a video game. It, it feels very much like a an over the top kind of very brightly lit cartoon pain all yes. the time. And, and yet the gameplay se- seems very retro in a, in a warm, yeah. fuzzy feeling way that, that That's I like it range. when, yeah, I like it when you have to sort of learn the language the game is communicating to you in. So in the boss battles, you have to sort of find the Achilles heel of, of the boss battle in order to overcome them. Uh, and you know, I like having to, you know, sort of like feel my way around that, that world and learn how, how to operate in it and, it, it was so refreshing, and that's just one level that we got to play. So I'm really looking forward to to more information. You know, uh, this is this is definitely like the the buzz game for me. This is definitely yeah. uh, the the game I I am going to keep my ear to the ground to find out more. It's it's one of those games that's come into uh, packs as as somewhat known. I'd, I'd heard some kind of little stuff on the internet, you know, just kicking around. But you know, and the fact now that you know Giant Bomb and all the big you know, IGM and everyone are doing these huge articles on it has obviously elevated its profile and exactly what PAX should be about as well is taking something like this. If you've got, you know, if you can just come up with the, the funds to get a stand there, the chances are that you are going to be sitting there much as well like E3 was back in the day. You could be sitting almost right next door to these AAA games and list these were literally doing that. They were just what, you know, 20 meters away from these huge booths and there's Shank playing and it's got a bigger, you know, bigger queue than some of those triple A games sitting there. So, and it's the talk of the show. It's a fantastic achievement. Okay. Uh, one other uh, indie type game, which you really like, Tony, Dust. Yeah, Dust, the Elysium, Elysium Tale. That's the one. Um, and this was part of the, the, the build dream, yeah, build dream play. 
Dream Build Play. Dream, Dream Build, Build Play. Play. It was yeah. basically pimping it as uh, it, it, it threw up um, six indie games for us to play, and you had to vote on which one you uh, thought was, uh, yeah. was best. And specifically, and that indie game would end up as a proper XBLA title. Yeah, and that's basically where Dishwasher Samurai came from, uh, you know, before and made it up onto that. And uh, since then, it was voted as the best game of, of um, the Dream Build Play contest, and actually has gone on to, I think they got 50000 dollars now to actually put into a proper full production mm. and when you consider it is it was done by one guy called dan doriel uh, and basically he handled the uh, de- the development the, the development of the uh, program in the writing the artwork the effects the voices and the only other person who's got they've got a couple of people on this team that are actually doing the uh, the composing of the music mm. so you, you take a tiny little game like that and it looks i mean I put, well, I personally think it, it looked pretty fantastic. Once again, it, it felt like you're sitting within this kind of fantasy storybook comic, um, world, but very more kind of Miyazaki than, uh, than kind of Shanks, like well over the top Shank. Uh, combat. Um, <laughs> have to say Shank. Yes, we do. Um, <laughs> it, I, I do get what you're saying about Miyazaki, actually. It, it does kind of seem a bit ghibli. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Um, and it's got these RPG type uh, elements to it. And um, once again, it's just a, a 2D kind of uh, move from one pane on the screen to the, to the next. And, but it's got this fairly over the top in, it, in itself. I and mean, it's, it's not a violent combat, but it's uh, very visually kind of arresting combat. And it's it's one of those games where you kind of just need to, if you're just sticking Dust Elysium Tale on, uh, I think in YouTube there's a trailer actually up on there. You can check it out and you can see how beautiful it looks. And the animation is vaguely reminiscent of Blaze Blue and similar kind of yeah. like, fighting games. It has many many frames and it looks fantastic. It's so bright and colourful and. And if you consider this game has only been in development for seven months. I think uh, that'll end up on the XBLA, actually. Uh, well, the fact that it won, um, that apparently there is no guarantees, and it, the contract says there's no guarantees it will end up on the XBLA itself. It shouldn't be rubbing shoulders with vibration applications, well, yes, for the, God's sake. The interesting thing to say, that this is this game itself has come from the XNA development uh, studio environment. Mm. Um, and when you look at that, you and you look at some of the tap that has managed to come up on that system, and you go, well... This can work. I mean, these tools here are good enough to produce games that have literally have my jaw on the floor and go, wow, mm. that is amazing. And why am I playing stick figure games? Because, you know, you just need time development. And unfortunately, or Johnny I'm, Platform's Biscuit Romp, which, you know, is fine. By the, by the sounds of it, you also need money. But uh, it does have an RPG element to it. It has uh, quite a complex combo system to it. And it's something I'm really looking forward to. And I, once again, like Shank, it's this, this tiny rag, from, rag to riches Right. Yeah. That is uh, really good. Okay, right. Um, then let's talk about the other parts of PAX, because I think that, that pretty much ties up our games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah? It's been, what, an hour and a quarter, so uh, we have some time to talk about the stuff we did at PAX, the people we talked to at PAX, and the people we hung out with at PAX, and what PAX is really about, because, you know, that's all the sort of exclusive, you know, stuff which we, we actually were party to. But this is actually what... Let, let's put across to these people, um, avid well, listeners, what being at PAX was actually like. The, the funny thing is, and I'll, I'll preface this with this, is that I actually found that the games took second place to a lot of the other stuff that was actually happening at PAX. Before the, we'd gone there, of course, we were looking forward to playing, you know, the latest, you know, Rock Band Beatles and uh, Halo and, you know, all the big games that we previously talked about. But the reality was that there was so much outside of that, that and so much more enjoyment I took from that stuff and actually getting to play a lot of these games. So 
hopefully we can get across some of that just experience of packs actually can give you Okay. It's um, all about feeding the Brits crazy American food. <laughs> <laughs> it's your highlight for one. Well, Tony and I have been doing a lot of talking. What, what about you guys, Chris and Kelly? What was it like for you? Well, you know, I, I've mentioned this many a times. I mentioned it on Twitter. I've mentioned it on Facebook. And I mentioned it just recently on our podcast. It's really about getting together with the people. Um, um, Jax from Sarcastic Gamer Pink said something to me that has stuck with me. She said on the last day she was waiting for her taxi. She said, you know, this is our first gaming uh, convention yeah. ever. And she says, you know, out of the 70, 60 to 70,000 people, I don't think I meet, met one mean person here at all. There, You know, she goes, there's plenty of people here I probably would have never hung out with and never will hang out with ever again. But I wouldn't have minded meeting any one of these people on the street. Everyone there are there to game and have fun, and they're genuinely nice people. And I think that's true. Granted, there's some very odd people there. That's true. But for the most part, they are all good people. And and half of them wear kilts, it seems. Only the yeah, horses. This Canadian, yeah, this the Seattle thing of the utility kilt. It's not like the kilt we know in the UK, as in a proper Scottish kilt that you wear nothing underneath. It's, it's like the cargo <laughs> cargo Wait. trousers, but as a skirt, basically. Yeah. Wait a second, Tony. How do you know they had nothing underneath? Were you because looking? That's a good Scottish <laughs> tradition. Lots of tall escalators, and uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I checked several times. <laughs> Hello, I'm from England. <laughs> yeah, PAX, the, the thing about PAX is, yeah, there's there's parties. There, you meet a lot of people from other podcasts, from other uh, video game communities, and you really get to know one another in in a uh, uh, friendly friendly sense. You know, uh, for me, you know, some of the greatest moments was make being meeting friends that maybe you're friends for life. Uh, you know, including uh, the, the 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 lot of you guys. Uh, you know, I, there was other people as well. But uh, in terms of the event, you know, it's 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 geek mecca. You know, mm-hmm. you have this melding of of tabletop gaming, board games, uh, handheld gaming, and video games, PC gaming, and everyone just hangs out for those three days. You know. Uh, and it and, didn't and, stink this year. And it's interesting that this goes on around the same time. <laughs> and it's interesting that this goes on at the same time as Burning Man. And Dragon uh, Con. So, yeah, and because, Dragon Con, yeah. Yeah, well, well, yeah, and especially that more so. Yeah, that's more all, almost in direct competition. But in terms of these these places in which, you know, yeah, a lot of times we hang out online nowadays. But being able to see someone right across from you and saying, hey, yeah, I, I, I've been listening to your show for years, or, hey, oh, yeah, um, I, I've been wanting to play this game for ages. Now I can sit down with the person who invented this tabletop game, and he can show me how it's supposed to be played. Hmm. You know, So it's this really interesting, uh, uh, well, you know, again, uh, mecca uh, of sorts, that, uh, that it's okay to geek out. Because you're in good company, and you don't get that from any other uh, uh, conven- conviction, convention. Convention. I mean, even I, I've been to San Diego Comic Con. I've been to other WonderCon comic conventions, and uh, it's this is different. This is really does have the fan in mind, and and yeah, there's people trying to sell you things, but 
if you just go there simply to, uh, in, in a good sense, camp out for three days playing, you know, um, uh, Magic the Gathering, you're, you're going to find thousands of other people doing the same. Indeed. Uh, the, the reason actually that I was thinking about this, uh, well, we, Tony and I were just saying how it wouldn't really work in England, and now I, I think I know why. Tony, any, any clues to why, why this probably wouldn't work so well in England? I don't know whether it's it's necessarily um, country bound. I just it's it's the amount of people that I think you have to pull you know that you can pull off in an event like this. And I'm not too mm. sure sixty thousand people, uh, all of the like mind, are probably going to gather into one place within. Well, say they uh, held it in the centre of London. Who do you think would actually come to this event? See, I think. <laughs> Why, why are you going? I'll probably have a slightly different opinion on this. I'm thinking that it doesn't require the same commitment to just wander into a show that's going to be in the middle of London as actually getting all the way to Seattle, sometimes hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles, and actually get a hotel room and sort yourself out with it. If you just wander onto the floor, then you can do anything, and you can basically wander around with a slack jaw and get in everybody's yeah, but, way uh, and be see, rude. That, that doesn't talk about you know the, the thousands of people that really are only a few miles away from mm. uh, the convention centre itself. I, I think really what's happened here, and, and why you know, like, as Lefty Rob well, Lefty was saying, you know, it, it's there's stuff like Comic Con, and so why isn't that as, as friendly as, as someone like Pax? And I, I think a lot of it actually comes from what uh, Gabe and Tycho have actually the effort they put in their end. It's you know, ultimately, there you know, the the people there are there to you know to basically tell you yes, you you want to buy this game, and mm. you know there's these huge AAA games that we were talking about, and they're up there on the show floor, but they've been so very clever to say, you know what, that is one tiny section. I mean, it's a big section of it, but it, you know, it's this is one section of packs. There was halls of people playing board games. There was halls of people who brought their PCs and just wanted to sit there and geek out in a big LAN fest. There was halls of um, free-to-play Xbox 360s and uh, PlayStation 3s. That was the stuff I didn't go anywhere near to, near to, but it was you know there was thousands of people there. So in reality, maybe there was 20,000 people actually on the show floor at any one time. The other 40,000 people were you know dispersed across many other facets of as i like to put it geekdom yeah so yeah you know there you can it's not just sell 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 that's there but there's also other stuff now beyond that i think the panels themselves are a huge way to actually separate this from a lot of these other conventions yeah um, and i was going to say all these panels are put are sort of the the ideas come from the community themselves yeah. they Everyone's invited to present an idea, and and they sort of get announced. Well, we're going to go with this panel. We're going to go with this panel. And I know you guys attended a lot of panels, and so I want to hear about what you guys saw. Okay, uh, Tony, you saw the Bungie one. What, what do you think of that one? Yeah, and and once again, that was they realised why they were there. This was fan service. So I mean, it was held in one of the halls where I think there was about eight hundred seats in there. And once that's filled up, they shut the doors, and unfortunately, you don't get in. And um, you got in just in time. I was, was like, the second to last person. She was cutting off, and she went, anyone yeah. after this man here, uh, you may not get in. So, yeah, the, the guy behind me had to hold a sign saying, this is the end of the queue, sorry, yeah, there's no more space. Yeah. So I was very lucky to get into it, and yeah, I was a little late coming to it, but, you know, it, it was the, I think it was one of the only ones that I went where it was actually sold out. Yeah. Or, well, not even sold out, it was just full up. pass, but it was full up. Um, and they did exactly what I thought they were doing there. They just talked a little, about, a little bit about the creation of... 
of Halo ODST and you know the reason some of the choices were made. Um, so showed some little of the early concept art, which was was nice. Show um, Marty O'Donnell showed a, or played a lot of the um, uh, some of the earlier music that they're going to be using in ODST as well. So um, it was it was exactly. I mean, it's, it was interesting to hear stuff like the reason the battle rifle isn't actually in ODST, which is a massive uproar in a lot of the uh, the community. Some people love it. Some people hate the fact that it's, it's not in there. It was actually due to actually memory restraints within the game. Um, just you know, there's there's only so many weapon sets they can have in there, which then would have to mean they would maybe take a level out of the game if they decided to put the battle rifle in. So it was just it was more of a case of you know what we leave in, what we take out, and they took that out because they felt like it didn't need to be part of the game. So it's just little nuggets like that. If you're a real Halo fan, that you you kind of took away from it, and on, of course on top of that. You're sitting there in front of the guys that make Halo. And, you know, for enough of us, that was enough reason to go, oh, wow, look, there's Lars Barkin of, uh, of Bungie up there. There's, you know, I don't know. There's, there's Who so we many... interviewed, by the way. Yes, we, we get into some of the interviews we did uh, maybe a bit later. But it, it was just, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. You know, they're, ultimately they're talking to a crowd of people that will hang on every single one of their words. And it was both funny and entertaining. So, uh a panel like that, yeah, I was really happy that, you know, it was an hour long. I got exactly what I was expecting from there in the question and answer session and uh, really, really good stuff. Which was similar to uh, the harmonics one we, uh, we all saw. Basically, they, uh, they, they were talking about Rock Band Network, weren't they? And uh, they were making, <laughs> they tried to make it as easy and understandable to laymen and people who don't do music programming as possible. And uh, they had Jonathan Coulton there, yo, and uh, he performed uh, The Future Soon in front of all of us. And then they took that file and stuck it on the Rock Band Network program. Mm-hmm. And were they programming it through Reaper? Yeah, they they got their own priority stuff called Reaper. And uh yeah, I mean, they didn't actually do it live on stage, but what what they because obviously that would have taken a little time to actually yeah, input yeah. all the notes. But they showed, but they showed roughly what the what yeah. the process would have to be to actually turn it into an actual t- yeah. functioning rock band track. And I think I sort of understood roughly how it no, went. And they trans- <laughs> tra- they transmitted it to an Xbox while we were sitting watching it, and it was nerve wracking. And then they basically played the whole track with uh, three volunteers from the audience, and it really worked. And I am. Um, if it just means getting Joko songs on Rock Band, then brilliant. But uh, it, it's going to be—I think this is going to be really special for uh, you know for artists out there for, who actually you know maybe don't get all the uh, credibility and, and recording. The, the market is changing, and this is changing with it. Uh, but um, I'm really excited about it. What what the panel actually showed was that you know they they took a long time to kind of come up with this concept, and they took mm. to a lot of the community. Yeah, uh, certainly Score Hero for one, and actually said you know what would be your ideal thing and they basically said well that's what we've made and it was it was really interesting to hear the ins and outs of how they got to a place where basically they they gave you the sdk of rock band and said well if you want to make songs for it here you go it's complex but you know we have faith that the people who are going to be into this are going to be into this and you're going to get some really and you'll be able to give your tracks to uh, you know artists will be able to give their tracks to people who specialize in this but not necessarily harmonics yeah. themselves. Uh, they, they also showed, like, um, just before they announced it, like the day before, somebody had made a, a prediction of this is what I think harmonics will do. 
Um, and, and there was loads of posts underneath going, oh, you're talking out your ass. This could never work. And here's why. And loads of naysaying. And then immediately afterwards, they released it and said, yes, this is actually what we're going to do. So but once again, that was all the lead guys from harmonics up on the stage explaining this to stuff that literally are just fans. Hmm. And that's what does honestly separate, I think, just this kind of event, you know, this kind of event compared to a normal trade show environment. You know, they, they want to tell the fans, you know, people have paid good money to come to this event and traveled on some cases thousands of miles mm. uh you know and it's all inclusive part of that pass so you can geek out on um the, the the concerts you can geek out on just the stuff on the show floor you can sit down on these panels and really get some interesting uh knowledge from the people that are really really deep inside you know within the inside of the communities would i be wrong in saying that when colton was re- performing the future soon he tilted his guitar for star power he did yes and, <laughs> upwards and basically activated star power and, and everyone went Way! as in his actual uh acoustic guitar while he was playing to yeah. us live which but is a nice little touch on the other side of that you have someone like giant bomb doing their own little panel so you have the a the podcast for the community panel. or a community <laughs> site almost um you know they're within within its thing so yeah, Giant Bomb were, were great to watch. It was, uh, they were, they were, you know, it was, well, for a start, they were clearly celebrities while they were there, because, I mean, we saw them walking around and they looked frazzled, but they were gamely standing in the corner at one point, shaking people's hands and being take, having photos taken with them, and they were just trying to sort of collect their thoughts, and they weren't saying, go away, people, we are tired and we are working here, would you please just, I mean, do I come to your job and bug you? But they, they had every right to say that, but they didn't, they were very gracious, and we shook their hands and said, we are not going to bug you, but Great work, gentlemen. We are the bastards who sent you the twiglets. And they're like, oh, right. They taste like dirt. That was disgusting, but we couldn't stop eating them. So we even got Wait, a they remembered you? Yeah, yes. they remember the twiglets. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's why I sent them him. We even got a mention on this week's show as well when they said, yeah, we met the guys that gave us the, dirt, the twiglets to taste the dirt. So that was you are cool. shitting me. I have I what? no podcast since I got back. I've been too knackered. What are, what are twiglets? Oh. Right. You know that Vegemite stuff you said that Marmite tastes exactly like, which you're wrong, by the way. They're like, imagine uh, wheat, crunchy wheat sticks dipped in that. Mm. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Apparently they can taste like dirt. They do. Um, and but you actually sent that to them? I'm going to send you some. It's a traditional okay. British food. I sent them a, a hamper of British foods, including Jaffa cakes and uh, uh, aniseed balls and things. And it was just so that we could come up to them on the floor and go, hey, that was us. How's it going? Unfortunately, in the same week, some other British bastard sent them a similar package of exactly the same stuff. Now, now so, you guys are going to feed these things to Edie Sellers when she comes over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going right. to do the same kind of uh, taste test thing. We're going to you know, line her up with some kidney pie and various other British delicacies, some whelks, um, <laughs> see what she makes of them. Uh, but, you yeah, know, it was fantastic to watch those guys uh, doing a thing. And, 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 you know, one of the questions I really wish I'd asked them, uh, which I might still email them with because they were doing a Q&A session, was uh, how do you guys cope with the fact that you are essentially more famous within the community than the people you're covering? In, in all, no other industry has that situation going on. There are no other, no journalists are more famous than the uh, than you know ninety percent of the people that they're covering. And Mark Kermo doesn't get the cheers when uh, when he's interviewing Steven Spielberg. There you go. But I don't know what they'd have said. <laughs> Because that's quite an expansive question. But, you know, it's, it's fantastic to watch them. Uh, what other ones do we do? Um, the community one, which uh, you guys were there for, weren't you? Yes, yes. 
yes, where we, we watched uh, Bernie Burns, uh, our very own Steve Artlip, and uh, Trixie three sixty. And oh, do by the way, mean, do you mean the man who chomped on gum nonstop through the gum show with Steve? That's the one. Oh my God. Yeah, and he was oh. right next to um, Jeff Rubenstein yeah. of, of PlayStation Network. And was it KC or KP? Dude KP, from, KP. Yeah. The, the, the original Pax, uh, Pax Plague Monkey, uh, apparently. Yes. The one who spread it around. But there was one point I was filming it for a bit, and Trixie looked, like, looked me dead in the eye and scowled. I was thinking, oh shit, am I not supposed to be filming this? But uh, maybe it was just... No, you're fine. Oh, I was that all right then. Thank God, because I didn't want to mess, you know, mess her around, especially after I gave her a, uh, a three-day pass for her son's best friend. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, what did you guys think of that? Because that, that was the only panel you guys were actually able to attend. It, it seemed a little disjointed because you had, uh, you know, three major, like, you know, this is what we get paid for, and then only one indie person. Mm. Uh, I think Steve so, did a good job representing oh, yeah. the indie oh, yeah, people. Yeah, Steve did, Steve did brilliant, but... Uh, but in terms of, I wish, uh, I, I had hoped the focus would be more on independent people and, and the, uh, big people can have their own one. Because mm. uh, that's what, you know, at least for me, that's what I'm more interested in is how do, you know, now that we have people coming to visit the Married Gamers or Digital Cowboys or Platform Nation, how do we how translate do we that? Yeah. yeah. How do we translate them into becoming valuable parts of the, the voice of married gamers, the, the you know, and, and whatnot. You're right, because it's a completely different situation for Sony and Xbox, because there's like there's always going to be Xbox fans out there. That's more a question of how do you get their sites as accessible as possible for the community. Us, it's more about how the hell do we get people and how do we, how do we keep, keep them people. to maintain people. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, right. yeah, maybe and, and, next and we the, could suggest that uh, there's like a specific panel just yeah. about indie stuff. Yeah, And that's not to say what, what Jeff and Bernie and all of them said wasn't interesting, because oh, no. it was. It was very interesting. But it was just very – they have a different – uh, they have focus. A different view than we do. Yeah, they have very, they answer to different masters. You know, uh, all of that sort of stuff is a very different from from what we as independent gaming enthusiasts or gaming blogs or sites uh, do on a day to day basis. Right. So that was the panels. Anybody else got anything to say about panels? No, they're they're awesome. And I, if we go again next year, I'm going to make sure that I at least see three or four again. Let's. Uh, you know, it, sorry. It it makes me want to think of it seriously makes you want to think of a panel and propose one. I was thinking of one for this year actually. Just, I asked Kropotkin, said, "Hey, do you want to do a panel?" He was like, "What? What? What?" That would be nerve wracking. <laughs> but, but, but people but looking you know, at you going, what, to do what one that, that deals with community mm. from the ind- from the independent side as podcasters. Well, if, I, you, I should, if you want, if we can actually get because we're planning a um uh a forum now ourselves we've almost got it sorted out but um if, if you wanted to do one next year i'm very happy to be on that panel um i will be proposing and, and of course you have to do a little bit of sensationalism the guaranteed way to get your spouse or loved one into gaming <laughs> and that will be the panel ah. and the married gamers would be a good one to go there with. is a guaranteed way you you know the secret sauce the sure well, You had to. You sort of speak sensationally to draw people in, and then you'll say, "Well, there's a whole bunch of different ways." But I'll have to save that magic for next year's. <laughs> you need to put that on a, a tape, and then I would be on your panel if you want me to, Chris. That sounds awesome. Right. Anyway, 
So let's just go and finish off with uh, best memories of PAX that, we, that were not specifically related to these games we've already talked about or these panels. Um, Lefty getting drunk and going into Cyber Dogs uh, and not realizing, oh, you guys weren't there. What day was that? This was this before. B- before when you guys were when you guys were sleeping on Thursday. Oh, all right. Lefty got drunk at the Blue Skittle party and we went to this little <laughs> called Cyber Dogs and Lefty was like, yes. I will have a bratwurst and it'll be so delicious. We got back to the hotel room and he's eating it. And I went, you do realize that this is a vegetarian hot dog. And he's like, what? But it's so delicious. It can't be vegetarian. (laughs) (laughs) And worse yet, it's all on video. We want to see that. It goes very well with the us eating disgusting American food. (laughs) It's hilarious because he doesn't realize it's vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Uh, for me, my, you know, it's the meeting people, you know, mm. having, having a, we had lunch with some of our favorite people. We, we sat down with the folks from, uh, Promethean Marketing. Good. So we have, uh, Jay Van Buren, Nelson Rodriguez, Chris Palladino, and, and, and his Palladino. lovely wife, Heather. And we just had lunch and we chatted about a whole bunch, bunch of things about Platform Nation, about just, uh, gaming about and life just in life general. in general. You know, and it's, and it's those moments you don't get a lot when you're rushing from event to event at, say, like an E3 or something. Um, and but but hands down, my favorite moment was that Sunday being able to hang out with the whole lot of you. You know, it was, it was just so much fun uh, just having delicious, awesome Indian food and just chatting about video games, our experiences. Video games. Video games. It was a big family moment. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it felt like a family sitting down eating. And our differences. You know, Kelly uh, still uh, keeps talking about the differences in the different coins (laughs) between the American coins. I'm fascinated by our pound sterling. No, you do not understand. My volleyball girls, I happened to, I was getting getting ready to get soda just before practice on Monday, on Tuesday, and I emptied my wallet, and I went, oh, Wait a second, and my I have four volleyball girls that are in my room, and they're like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Hang on." So I had to line it all up. And I'm like, "Wow!" <laughs> I lost like two pound fifty showing you all this stuff, but I hope it was, it was well worth doing it because it was and, amazing to see your look in your face of, "I've never seen this before." And and I was explaining it to them, and they were they the girls were literally fascinated with it, and two of the girls were my students as well. And so they then the next morning on Wednesday, Mrs. Brown, before we do anything today, can I show they then showed the rest of my class the money. And so it was <laughs> my not money just exchange hands. No. Yeah, so it wasn't just me teaching it, but it was fun to see me teaching it to them and then them taking it and them teaching the rest of the kids it and then they going and telling other classes about, you've got to come to Mrs. Brown's class and see there's this British money that's different. It was, and, it was, so, it's just so fun to see them learning beyond. And now, and now everyone's just touched has swine flu. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, with, <laughs> sorry about that. with everyone touching that money, I'm hoping, I'm hoping you laundered it. Right. No, but, I, I, but one last thing about that is, you know, at the end of our podcast, we always say that we're proud members of Platform Nation. And it's those moments like that that really do make me a proud member of Platform Nation is getting to know each other in, in such a way, having that commonality between one another and those differences that, that, uh, that are exciting, you know, to, to hear about and to learn about. Um, it, you know, and, and that, that love for podcasting, you know, it's, 
it was just one of those moments in your life that you're going, yeah, I am so glad that whether God or some higher power or, or just chance put us all in the same room just to, mm. to spend some part of, some fraction of our lives together. And, and that it was a very high moment in, in my life. So I had a lot of fun. One would almost think that that moment was not to be shared with the fact that it didn't bloody record. <laughs> right. We tried our best. Yeah, we did. But no, it was a great episode. Uh, I think it probably, it probably contained too much spluttering, laughing and shouting and, and some private jokes for regular consumption, but it was, you know, in our heads, it will always be the best podcast ever. Um, for, for me, best moments, uh, were actually interviewing Jonathan Coulton. Oh yeah. And, Which you've um, seen by now, hopefully, or heard by now. So. Let's hope. Hey, I have a question about that that Chris yep. and I both wondered when we listened to it. Why were you and Edie whispering? What did you are? In that interview, you oh, guys because, were whispering. No, well, partly because we were actually within the, the press room and uh, there were still people doing their, their work in yeah. there. But, I mean, Jonathan, he was just, well, yeah, whatever, I'm going to speak like the way I want to. I'm Jonathan yeah. Coulter. But. I think we didn't want to bl- you know, blurt it because, because both me and Edie have quite loud voices, you may have noticed. So we no, would, I didn't like, notice at all. Shatter everyone else's um, <laughs> concentration. Yeah, and no, there were people sort of glancing up and going, "Oh my God, it's Jonathan Colton." If you watch the video, actually, there's a moment when some complete twit puts their hand right in the middle of the screen and picks cards. up some uh, yeah. some business cards. And I actually thought, right, that is so much of a distra- distraction. I'm using that. So I put like a little subtitle there, going, "This is a thing from the Adams family." Just in a little <laughs> subtitle down the bottom there, it flashes up for a second. Um, but yeah, no, everybody else was, it was sort of, you know, didn't, kept out of our way. And there was one guy playing music just off to the left, and you can hear it a bit. It sounds a bit like Space Invaders. But, um, but yeah, interviewing, no, it's through the fire and flames he's playing. <laughs> interviewing him was absolutely fantastic. Now, at the time when I, I talked to him, I was a fan, but I wasn't a mega fan. After seeing him at the uh, Harmonix uh, um, presser, and then after seeing him actually in concert, I now kind of wish I could go back and interview him again for the first time, because <laughs> I would just have been like, you Jonathan Carlton! Probably a good idea that I didn't, Because, <laughs> like, Edie was, like, going, oh, my God, it's Jonathan Carlton. I was like, yeah, Jonathan Carlton, awesome. Um... But no, yeah, in concert, him and Paul and Storm were absolutely the, incendiary. The Saturday night concerts were amazing. They so were. glad no, we made them. You, you don't watch, you've never seen Almost Famous, considering you used that word incendiary. Incendiary <laughs> too, man. Yeah. Um, so, so every year I keep telling myself that I'm going to hit one of these concerts and I never do. We never do. If uh, you miss what, it next year, Chris, so help me. <laughs> I think they're going to drag us. They, you I are going to be, be strapped to your well, chair. I, I, will, I will be handcuffed to Alex, and we oh, can yeah. share lollies. <laughs> <laughs> no one is touching my lollies next year. <laughs> Private joke, never to be repeated. <laughs> but there's some, maybe some good reasons why some people miss it. I and mean, there's a lot of parties that are going on outside of PAX. I mean, um, my wife, Liz, was desperate to go and see Jonathan Coulton in concert so it was like even though I was absolutely tired from all the weeks before all the you know all the time period and the time differences I was like fine and it was like nine o'clock when we headed over there to go and see these concerts because I mean it was three acts playing so you had 8 30 actually because I went by, yeah. by the time I got back to the hotel room I actually missed freeze pop but they yeah, these so guys were there from nine o'clock in the uh, evening till three th- no, nearly three o'clock in the morning. But yeah, it was three o'clock in the morning. It finished, so which it's a- is eleven p.m. in the morning for us. And I kept reminding Tony, "Oh, by the way, it's eleven a.m." And you're like, "Shut up! Stop telling me the real time." <laughs> so, but I mean, the fantastic thing about that there was that that um, the concerts themselves hold four, I think, four and a half thousand people. Mm. So, um, 
it all depended obviously what you, what you were there to see. So we got to see the Omega Fonz. So there was a big rock band session on there and everyone was chanting and cheering watching that. And the crowd was just a fantastic mix, you know, mixture of pure geekdom. Let's face it. And, uh, Freeze Pop were, you know, really, really rocky and, and good fun. And, but Paul and Storm, uh, I, which I'd never seen before. Me neither. Almost like they were pretty much just a like comedy act rather mm. than like musicians. But uh, they mix it together so well. They're kind of like the flight yeah. of the Concords for the yeah. folks out there. I recommend checking them out on YouTube. But um, here's the thing. If you look at them on YouTube, they'll be playing in a small club or something from people who haven't seen them before. And they'll get a bit of audience participation going, ha that's funny. And they, may, they might get a few hours. But if you, they actually played in front of 4,000 people who got them. And even if they weren't like fans immediately knew what they were supposed to do, how they were supposed to react. So when they say, we want a big, like, uh, dejected pirate, arg, 4,000 people leaned their heads slightly to the left and went, arg. <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah. So I, I, was... I can't really sum that one up unless, I mean, check it out on, uh, on YouTube. I don't think much of their stuff's gone up there. A lot of Coulton, not so much Pulling Storm. Yeah, it was just the, the fact that it was the energy of 4,000 people that all were completely into this, this concert. And, uh, let's face it, if we, if you've played with people on, online, you knew, know how geeky we can all get. Mm. If you imagine the situation of that and everyone being about as geeky as you are, mm. um, it was just, yeah, a, a real experience. And Jonathan Colton just finished it off perfectly at the end. And yeah, I mean, the interview's gone up and there's plenty of stuff out there. I mean, you should listen to his albums. They're, you know, very, very good. Whether you like his music or not, I guess is that always comes down to that. But uh, really, for me, it was just the energy from the room there. It was just the icing on the cake of everybody loves this 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 music. And you know, instead of instead of lighters, there was DSs being you know were up in the air and for, lighter apps for the iPhone. Yeah, lighter apps. Uh, here's a good um, example of it. Actually, do you remember that bit in Almost Famous when everyone starts singing Tiny Dancer on the bus? Yeah. Same thing, only everyone was singing Code Monkey at the same time and just swaying left and right. And it did this massive sense that everyone knew what everyone else was thinking and just going, yes, this is brilliant. So for newcomers, like, I mean, Liz had never really been into it before. So it's, uh, the the fact that she got swept up in it as well, and and as did you, Tony, was, was brilliant for me. And, And the fact that I was finally getting to see the stuff I've been like listening to intensely for two weeks, but finally seeing it done properly, it was like, wow. I'm now a fan for life. So, yeah. yeah. So, on top of that, I mean, uh, we met a lot of uh, people. We got, we got to play rock band on stage with Alex Navarro of the old, uh, well, not, he wasn't ever Giant Bomb, was he? But he, uh, he was GameSpot. The, of the old GameSpot days. Um, so, there was me, Alex and Paul uh, doing the Beatles with... Um, we did Get Alex, Back. Yeah. Alex Navarro on drums and that was a very special, like, well, I'm, I'm not going. You know, I'm not going to forget this. Mm. Uh, we obviously we got to meet the Giant Bomb guys as well, so Jeff and Ryan, and, and you said a little bit to them, and they remembered us, which was kind of cool. Uh, I met all the games from Windows guys, so Sean Elliott and Jeff Green, and I got a poster and everything signed from them, and gave some money, money to you know, Charles Play. That was quite cool, and met some of the One Up guys as well, so David Ellison you know, got them to sign some stuff as well. So just meeting all these people, and saw Tim Schafer and saw Reggie Fizeme, and uh, obviously <laughs> did you actually play. see him? Because I, I I walked past him and went, Tony behind you and you were yeah, like yeah, huge huge obviously getting to interview people like Lars Bolkin from Bungie and uh, Chris Foster of Harmonics um, we haven't um, met, mentioned the fact that Edie uh, who was not supposed to be there turned up we were like on the Friday and, then, and Steve let it slip in the line he was like oh is Edie here yet and we went oh no oh. he's not coming and he went oh in a kind of yeah, wait a second is Edie I'm, here 
I mentioned that as my one of my favorite things that were non-PAX related was mm. grabbing you guys and saying, come on, after I called Edie and said, and introducing you guys to Edie. <laughs> but, oh, that was fantastic. Just seeing her there with, with Kevin in tow was, was, was brilliant because we, we thoroughly expected her to be in at Burning Man at that exact moment, watching a, a, a big straw man be burnt. And she turned up, which is oh, a pleasure to meet her. But I mean, that, that kind of fun, it uh, sums it up all for me. I mean, I went to some other stuff like the Sony Mag Party and Dead Space Distraction Parties and these little industry parties, which were really nice to be invited to and, and play the games. But as I said before at the start of the show, I went there because of the games. Um, and really what actually happened, and was, which is the thing that Chris... Um, from Super Fun Time told us what should happen, which is, you know, there's signs up there saying, welcome home, guys. And, um, you know, he's true. There was signs up there, and you didn't really understand it the first day we were there, but by time Sunday come round and we had to go home on the Monday, uh, I literally had tears in my eyes saying goodbye to the people I met there. And, you know, I, I went there and hadn't met you guys before, and obviously we've spoken on the podcast and whatnot, and it was an absolute pleasure just hanging out with you. You felt like best mates time we left. And... You were just one of many, and there were so many people there, and I just felt like somehow we had this weird connection with 60,000 people that we'd never met before, but we'd all joined just to be at this event, and honestly, you can't put that into words, and I'm struggling now, but the feeling that you get from this event, I, I was really cynical and said, yeah, well, how good can it be? Uh, and by the, by Monday, I'm like, so um, my tickets for next year's packs are pretty much pre-booked whether I can make it or not. Um, I'm desperate to go back and desperate to meet all the people again and desperate to have the, whether it'll be the same experience next year, I don't know, because I think obviously a lot, a lot of this stuff is the first time you go, uh, you know, it, it's hard to necessarily, uh, recreate, but you know what? It was absolutely worth every single penny and worth even coming back and getting swine flu or plagues or whatever it was and being absolutely. <laughs> Bionic exhausted. plague, apparently. So if anyone has that kind of idea, you know, should I make it to PAX? Is it worth the journey? Yes. Sent to you yes. in the UK? Um, yes. I can thoroughly say. Yes. Yes. yes, for us it certainly was. I don't know whether it will be for you, but for us, I absolutely enjoyed every moment of it, and so did my wife, um, uh, Liz. She she met so many people, and quite frankly, I think it's probably the, one of the best things I've done in my life. Which sounds so sad, but you Not know, really, to me, in, to me it was it means it meant so much. Yeah, brilliant. You no, know, Chris, who was it that I kept saying? Everybody kept saying, "Oh, there goes so and so, there goes so and so," and I kept saying, "Who is he?" And he was somebody from the from G four. Oh, um oh gosh, what's his name? Uh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh <laughs> and I kept I was so oblivious to it. Yeah, Everybody G4, was making, the, making uh, fun of me. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well stall for me and I'll Steven Tatillo? <laughs> no. No, he's one of the he kept walking by our when we did our platform nation recordings. And that was another thing that was great was seeing yeah, you guys you guys sitting next to each other recording. Because you guys, even though you are literally less than an hour's drive from each other, you guys never record side by side. No. Uh, and we, we have, Chris and I have <laughs> That's a lot of pictures that we, need to, that we need to send to you That's of you guys picture. sitting next to each other mm. recording. <laughs> and I have to can say, we make that the, um, the front cover of our show, actually? Because, so, yeah, Chris, you can send me that along with the, uh, the Easter egg okay. for the end. That would be brilliant. Well, and I, and I'll have to, I have to say, Tony, I, I told Alex this. I've shown my students that picture, mm-hmm. and they can tell me which one is Alex and which one is Tony. So See? we're trying to figure out why Edie. Why Edie can't figure out which she one was. Is she was like twenty yards behind me on the street, and she was yelling, "Tony, Tony, Tony!" 
Antonio went, I'm Alex. No, <laughs> went, you yet oh, you around said, like a good God, God woman, I'm Alex. <laughs> but, um, Such memories. And, and Kelly, that was Adam Sessler. Yes, Adam about. Sessler. Everybody kept walking, going by, there's Adam Sessler. Uh, and I'm uh, like, American G4 is a gaming uh, channel. Who? But did, didn't you find this? There were so many, as I put there in kind of air quotes, there were so many celebrities there. But even though they were walking through, walking through the convention, they weren't really that pestered. It was like people, because we're, you know, we're all nerds in ourselves and we're going, you know what, they probably don't want to be pestered with me. And so to, a, to an extent, yeah, you had the odd one person just, you know, looking at them going, oh, my God, I love this guy. Mm. But they weren't being drowned with, uh, as you would imagine, you know, if they turn up at some other events. That yes. They would, you know, they were free just to to get on and do their stuff here. Everyone seemed relatively yeah. savvy. Oh, very. Oh, there was, as, as I said before, I, I think geeks will one day take over the world. And having been at this event where there's 60,000 of us, I think given a, the, in the right direction uh, and a strong leader, there's a good chance that that probably could happen. So, blessed are the geek, for they shall inherit the earth. Damn right. <laughs> there was only one incident in which I was I was rudely taken over by a geek, but that was because he was trying to get somewhere. Uh-huh. And that was... Oh, okay, aside from that, I have to ask, and I'm, t- I'm, I'm hijacking your show real quick. Yeah. Favorite swag that you guys got from, from PAX? My shank statue. Thank you, Jamie, by the way. He was, I mean, that was really cheeky of me to ask, but I thought, it's just so awesome. I've got to do it. I have no money left, but I'm going to ask anyway. And, uh, it's now on pride of place in my, in my, uh, my, my, my pile of statues right next to my, uh, oh, we, Princess Leia. We also have plenty of stuff to give away on, on, oh yeah, we've got tons. Well. Yeah. We've got a, a couple of really big, uh, goodie bags full of t-shirts and pretty much all the swank, all the swag, the stuff that was going to be, uh, giveawayable at the show. So, uh, hmm. Couple of nice pieces. I got. I got really lovely harmonics T-shirt as well, which uh, I will. I don't. It's so nice. I'm not too sure I ever wear. Yeah, <laughs> like twenty bucks one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so go ahead. You guys. Um, what about no, for you? And one other thing as well is I. I got a. Uh, even though I'm not necessarily interested in, in the game, I got a Guild Wars 2 um, art book that is beautifully drawn art in there, and it was signed by the artists. Um, up on the stage, and they basically they were given you know given five or six hundred of these out for free, um, and it's kind of thing that you just you'd pay you'd pay very very good money to actually own. It's just like yeah, oh pleased to meet you, shake hands, and uh, yeah, that's probably one of mine. Oh, another piece of uh, swag I managed to get hold of was uh, not not available to most people. It was um, a bottle of True Blood from Pete Hotlet of uh, OCP, uh, who I interviewed actually about. And this is the uh, guy uh, whose company makes uh, fictional products into something real, and um, it was just really fantastic to talk to him. And there will be an interview with him up uh, fairly soon, hopefully. And uh, it was just it's now on my shelf next to all my replicas because basically it is a replica of a bottle of synthetic blood from the show, and it tastes. <laughs> Delicious and orangey, but I won't drink it. <laughs> so you guys, what was your favorite? Uh, well, for me, th- there was only two things of swag that I'm keeping. The rest we're going to give away, and uh, it was a Left for Dead two shirt size shirt in my size actually. So I'm very happy about that. And a uh, Gears of War novel. Novel. That, uh, yeah, that re- that came in our Microsoft swag bag. So it's and, like sort of the the locust horde we're bursting in through the doors. He wired up his chainsaw. Uh, is it that kind yeah, of like hard bitten marine type? Is Andy I'm McNabb not sure. I, I I haven't started it yet, but yeah, it's by uh, it's by a person who's done 
a lot of the uh, Star Wars books. Oh, and so it should be it should be an interesting read. Uh, we did get one of those limited edition Shank statues and Shank. Uh, Shank. <laughs> if I may plug our show, as Shank comes closer to release on some sort of platform, mm. we're going to be giving that away in some exclusive content. Oh, so. you're giving it away. Yep. Um, I can't bring myself to do that, so you are... No, that's cool, that's cool. Just uh, s- send your hate mail to info <laughs> at digitalcowboy.com. <laughs> I know it. Uh, I'm, I'm keeping in mind, but I'm also going to talk so big and so much about Shank, I will race you to the finish line in terms of getting hold of uh, Jamie for interviews. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Ke- Kelly, any uh, swag for you? My favorite swag was something that I got for you two, and for Edie and myself, and that is No More Heroes 2 Toilet Paper. Oh, oh my <laughs> god. I don't know what to do with this, because there's a number of things I can do to defile it, but uh, it's it's toilet paper, mm-hmm, but it has No More Heroes 2 written on it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I might give this away, actually. So, yeah, we'll uh, we, we sign it out, and we can give it away. Yeah, we'll sign it. So, uh, yeah, th- th- this, this is our first piece of uh, swag. Write to us at uh, digitalcowboys <laughs> at googlemap.com and tell us why you want... Uh, the Noble Heroes to bog roll. <laughs> and I will and this send this soul. bad boy to you. And uh, you know what? It's funny. I've, clean, I've, folks, family show. I've, <laughs> I've, gone, I've gone to the, the PAX uh, forums, and more people have talked about that swag. <laughs> yes. I don't think that I mean, was supposed to be swag. You weren't supposed to take it. That was for people's butts. <laughs> So, right, we got to close this up because we're yes. running short on time. So, um, final thoughts. Final thoughts on PAX. Um, go, go, for the love of God, go. People, you must go. PAX 10, only a year away. Um, I just want to say thank you for all the people that made it, uh, the kind of show it was. I mean, that goes from the... I would know, too. The, yes, me too. Yeah, <laughs> the developers, the people that are doing the panels, the people that are just literally hanging out. And uh, uh, no line was ever boring. There was always someone to talk to. So uh, on top of meeting... Yeah, I never had to play my DS at all. I was always someone to talk to. It was good. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, my, my thanks goes out to really... Uh, for them putting such a show on. Uh, and I will try to be back next year. Yes. Chris and Kelly? Thank you, everyone, for everyone we got a chance to meet, hang out with, get to know, exchange gamer tags, uh, talk about each other's communities. We had such an awesome time. And uh, if you're on the fence about PAX, uh, yeah, like like everyone's saying, go. You're going to have a good time. Get a nice hotel that's close and uh, get to know the people that, that you're with. We Even when we were riding the elevators, Everyone was so nice, so eager to share the excitement that they've been having at PAX. is just a really friendly atmosphere. I think if we'd done that elevator thing at the Sheraton, they would have frowned upon it somewhat. <laughs> we we even had people at the that were from the hotel riding the elevator with us, saying, "Have fun." Yeah. And so that was it was, well, that's it nice was that they actually gave you their blessing. Uh, the Sheraton they would not have stood for that kind of thing. They, they're very snooty, but uh, no, no, sorry, no, that's not right. Everyone at the Sheraton is very, very nice, but for God's sake, that place was pricey if you bought anything outside of the uh, <laughs> what was included in the rooms. Pancakes, $14. Anyway. Good um, pancakes. Waffles, they were free. Good pancakes. <laughs> yeah, so you keep saying these breakfasts sound delicious, actually. You guys are all like uh, all mod cons. Sorry, Lefty, I interrupted you there, Karen. Oh, no, I was just going to say, Kelly, what about you? You know what? It, seriously, Going to PAX cements the community. I've said this many a time. 
mm-hmm. many a times. And it's, it's true. If you are thinking about it, don't think about it. Go. If you can afford to go, it's definitely worth it. And, you know, PAX Plague or not, it's worth it. Definitely, if you're planning on going, if you're coming from anywhere outside of the United States, come a day early so you can acclimate <laughs> to the time. I'm going to come a week early next time. I'm going to San Francisco for a bit instead. And if and if you're if you're coming from the United States, I swear, plan a couple of days afterwards to acclimate back into reality because <laughs> do not go straight back to work. No, I did and I regret it. <laughs> um. And if you're coming from the UK, like, like, like I said, basically, you're going to need those few extra days just to get yourself on the right body clock because we, we thought we could do it and we did. We did kind of push through, but we crash hard at the end, basically. Yeah. Uh, we went downhill, but, um, and it was so worth it. It was worth the feeling physically terrible to feel so mentally fantastic. And now we've done about four shows revolving around packs. We try to put this one behind us. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, next next one we're doing is uh, we're going to be talking about Batman Arkham Asylum for our game club, and that'll be out this Tuesday, so not long to wait. But I imagine <laughs> by but I imagine by the end of the year when we're wrapping up our year, packs will come right back into the picture. Oh yeah. Oh, completely. Um, Cannot wait. For, what's the next? Three hundred and sixty days left. Three sixty two. But also that we'll be giving out those two massive swag bags probably on next week's show. Um, so uh, I'd look rather out, do it in uh, little we'll bits. We'll do a competition because, yeah. on next week's show, and uh, then yeah, obviously, so stay tuned for that, and we'll give some of that stuff away. But uh, as people, oh, next week we have uh, Daniel Floyd on. We're going to be talking about storyline and narrative and how it's developed in gaming. But uh, of course, follow us, still follow us on Twitter this week as well because I've got a few more PAX T-shirt codes to give out. If yeah. you want one, uh, send me a buzz because I've got about 20 more. So it might just be instead of trying to do a competition where 20 is given out, just give me a quick uh, uh, yeah, email us directly and we will send it to you. Well, the, the, the Twitter thing's fine, but it was no way of knowing that they're going into yeah. the right hands. So uh, if you're a fan of the show, email us. Digitalcowboys uh, at googlemail.com. Yeah. Especially if you're a woman. Yeah. We've got loads more for women than we have for men. Because yeah. I don't know why, but for some reason, there's not exactly a 50-50 split in the market, and there should be. Uh, and also, um, thanks to everyone who reviewed us on iTunes. We're, now with the more recent update, we're like on page three or something, aren't we? Or is yeah, it that's subscription. We're still pretty low. We're still in like 21 or 15 reviews, proper written reviews on iTunes, which uh, it's not good enough. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fed up of asking. No, no, no. I, I, we don't want to beg, but if you do, no, put it like this. We're not going to beg, but if you review us, if every single person who listened to the show reviewed us, we would jump way up in the in the ratings. So if you haven't, consider it. Um, okay. And we, we have a forum coming soon, people, so uh, do not fret on that. And uh, with the forum, there will be some pretty cool competitions as well. I've got planned for that to uh, entice you to come over there and hang out with our community as well as, as, as the, you know, the Mario Gamers community is a fantastic example of how uh, a podcast can actually bring so many people together. If you just check out that, then uh, it'd be a prime, a fine example, along with Gamer Dawkins and some other fine podcasts. It's, it's a big step for us to make this. So uh, that's up and coming in not too distant future. Oh, and a special double thank you to Mike Thornhill, one of our listeners who very, very kindly ferried us all the way from the airport to the hotel and hung out with us for the whole of the first evening and um, then ferried me to and fro from 7-Eleven. That is above and beyond. I'm not too sure I ever get over of coming off a plane from the airport, coming out, and there's a man there with a sign saying, Welcome, Welcome to Digital Town. Cowboys. I felt like a movie star. And then when we picked <laughs> up the phone from the uh, the uh, uh, the hotel from you guys, I felt like a, a secret agent, so it was a brilliant <laughs> experience. Hey, anyway. I, wanted to, I wanted to put that in your guys' secret um, name. 
Which is Knights of Gamelot. Knights of Gamelot. But but they yeah, I'm glad you didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks once again, Mike. That was uh, really really kind. Yeah, you you were a stand up guy and an excellent listener. Oh, and a shout out to the two Dans, by the way. Your friend Dan, um, who we met on the last day, uh, yeah. he was awesome. And, uh, of course, uh, Elaine's Dan, he was equally awesome. And, uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out and a bit, and a big old, uh, British hello, because, uh, <laughs> it was great to meet him and Elaine and everyone. So. Right. Let's leave these people's ears in peace. Yeah. But Chris and Kelly, pimp your show. We are the Married Gamers. You can find us online at www.themarriedgamers.net. And also, don't forget to leave us an iTunes review as well. <laughs> Did you notice and that we, I didn't curse this show just so I could keep your guests happy? Well, that's okay. <laughs> also, both of, our shows, both of our shows are proud members of Platform Nation, as we, we have are. mentioned many, many a times on this show. And uh, don't forget to head over to PlatformNation.com and catch all three of the three-day shows that we were all part of during PAX, where you can hear all of us talk about our days right. at PAX. Okay, and this week's ending music is from the fantastic Jonathan Coulton, accompanied by Paul and Storm. This is actually his performance of My Monkey at PAX 2009, which we were there for, where he cunningly changed the lyrics in order to serenade a special guest in the audience, who, by the way, was crying tears of joy by the end. This is Will Wheaton. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Tony Atkins. And we've been, been married games. games. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for the Easter egg of just uh, live podcasting hilarity of the, the smidgen that we managed to get on uh, on onto recorded footage. Hopefully, at the end, if, if that's not on, if that's yeah, <laughs> nah, but if that's not on there, you know why? It's because it wasn't available. But uh, otherwise, enjoy Jonathan Colton. We will see you next week. Happy trails. Will we get busy sometimes? Will Wheaton's got a lot of stuff he's gotta think about Will Wheaton gets tired sometimes Will Wheaton wishes he was something you could do without Cause every Wheaton needs a long time To eat bananas in the sunshine It's feast or famine, it's a fine line It doesn't mean Will Wheaton Sometimes Will Wheaton has an ulcer and a stressful time at work Will Wheaton gets bitter sometimes But Will Wheaton's not the only one who's acting like a jerk And while he doesn't like to name names And he's not trying to assign blame It's hard to focus on his own game it does Sometimes Will Wheaton thinks that you're the bestest girl he's ever seen And that she'll stay with you for always It doesn't
you married cowboys in another castle? <laughs> this is going to be good, I think. Okay, it is now recording, so... Let's go around the table, introducing ourselves by podcast. All right. Um, let me chew my food. Yeah. Celebration. Celebrate good times. This is um, Mrs. Lucky Brown from The Married Gamers, and uh, we are up here at Seattle celebrating PAX. We have with us... Um, whoa, 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 hang on. We're just around the room. I know, I know. We have three, two other. <laughs> no, no, again. Just we say what episode you're I'm not doing that episode. Okay. We have two other podcasts from Platform Nation joining us tonight. We are basically, you're going to hear tables moving around. You're going to hear us moving around a lot because we are not just sitting at a table. We are eating food and everything else. Yes, Lefty. Just think of us as the fanboys, but without stripper poles. Woo! <laughs> I don't want to play. I thought that Alex was a stripper pole. Oh. I am not a stripper pole. He says that now. I have been misled, sir. (laughs) So anyways, I am Mrs. Lefty Brown, also known as Kelly from the Married Gamers Podcast. And I am Lefty Brown, also from the Married Gamers Podcast. And to my right is... I am Alex Shaw of the Digital Cowboys. And across from him would be... I'm Tony Atkins from the Digital Cowboys. And Tony, would you like to introduce your lovely wife that many may not have heard her on a podcast before? Lara Silva. Did you hear what he said? Lara Silva. Just get right That's her online tag. I know, yeah. but... It, it, no, well, yeah. Liz Atkins. Liz Atkins and Tony's wife. We did actually hear you a little bit when we were doing the pre-pack, pre-E3 uh, episode with Crop on Oz. And Russia. gaming, and gamers wise. Yes. Exclusive! Yes. Yes. So, not yeah. at all exclusive. <laughs> and then we also have... Elaine Grobreen from Some Other Castle. And her friend that has been squatting on our floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I bring him places. He's a good squatter. Yeah. <laughs> Among yeah. my many talents, this just squatter. Real. Um, yeah, Dan Nelson occasionally of some other castle in the various places on the internet. Yeah. I'm the from world. the internet. You may know Dan from the internet. <laughs> Basically, what we wanted to do is we wanted to get everybody together that's still hanging out here in Seattle after PAX. 2009. <laughs> yep. And I, oh, I, I, I just woke. I just stuck my hand up, hand up in the air to say I had something to say after you, my dear. Oh, okay, sorry, honey. <laughs> Um, I forget that. Um, we're basically sitting around here eating dinner and wanting to kind of digest our dinner along with digest what we've seen here for the last three days. Digital Cowboys, you have slept the least amongst all of us. <laughs> slept? We've slept. Oh, yeah. Sleep is a luxury we can ill afford. Golden slumbers. <laughs> so, if... Uh, Maybe there's some calculations on how little. Yeah, that would be interesting. And and let me just say, this is a very casual affair. If you're listening to this, this is very different from any of our podcasts. And uh, I would say, collect them all like you got, like a Pokemon, because you'll never know how each one of us edits. (laughs) Hey, Leah, that's right. You collect them all. She, she better. I'm not editing this. I'm sticking this up to. I am too. It's happening. I think. No That's editing. my editing style. I, I think don't. other than I the, couldn't edit now if you paid me. <laughs> Seriously, just because it might be all cut. <laughs> I, think other, I think other than right. level later, that's probably what I'm going to use. Okay. Yeah. So just forewarning, because this is going to be fairly raw. I have a feeling. Yeah. We will try not to swear. 
for the benefit of the merry gamers uh, more gentle I, I like the way Alice is pointing the pen at the recording device making a point <laughs> very acutely uh, however listeners there may be some language so do be aware of that that's alright um, because Lefty did play Left 4 Dead and it's Awesome. Um anyways, Lucky, you and I got here on Thursday morning. We were the first ones of this group to arrive. Yeah. And we got to our phenomenal hotel and had a brief time to kind of settle in and then we took off and went up to the Microsoft campus. Yeah, yeah, we hung out at Microsoft, and a lot of this is discussed on our our uh, most recent podcast, and we had a lot of fun. But um, I, I don't know about any of you. What I sort of enjoy is just us hanging out and talking about stuff. And you know, if someone has something they just want to discuss, um, uh, Tony, you started off a conversation that sort of led me to say we need to start recording now. My fault. We always what, miss all what, the good stuff. Why don't we just start with that? Sure, you know, you all have heard our coverage, and if you haven't, go to PlatformNation.com, and you can you can hear all the coverage we had at PAX as Platform Nation, and that's so an where excellent can I find point. That? At PlatformNation.com. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but but as for the person, would you like to spell it for you too? Is that www.platformnation.com? <laughs> Wait, let me go to it. Let me have my computer right here. Okay. But but let me just you know I don't know about you guys, but I I. Sure, you know, people will hear a lot about PAX, but this is an opportunity for us, three of the newish podcasts at Platform Nation, just to hang out and talk about video games. And I video think- games! Video games! <laughs> 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 and I think that's going to be interesting, at least to the people in the room. <laughs> and if you don't like it, turn us off now. Subtitles, we're sorry. So if anyone has a burning question they want to ask about video games, okay, well, video games! Oh, I, I know that you, you must have talked about this on the show just a little bit more, but we tried desperately, because we got invited to the Microsoft press thing as well, and we, unfortunately our flight got in three hours too late. So we tried desperately to rearrange those flights, and it was going to cost us thousands of dollars to do oh, so. So we decided not to. So... Apart from you kissing Major Nelson. No, Major Nelson kissed me. Major Nelson kissing you. Correction. What was it like? Because, I mean, that's quite a special trip. You know, it was was interesting because there was maybe 60 of us that went up there on two buses. Well, a bus, a a tour bus and a short bus. Which is amazing because how many people listened to Major Nelson and how many people were at PAX? To limit that just to sixty. Well, and it was also it was also the gamer chicks. So yeah. the gamer chicks forums. There are some of us that were from the gamer chicks forums that got into it as well. And we all it was really interesting because we all, you know, had to give our names, show our IDs, and we got these stickers with our names, and we all had a different color on them. And we're all basically getting on the bus, looking at each other, going, "I don't have the same color as you. What does the color mean? I'm the same letter as you. What does the letter mean? Having no idea what this means, other than we'll find out." Microsoft were trying to destroy the uh, community game. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't know what, what was going on. You know, it was one of those things where you, you were kind of still kept in the darkness of what was going to happen. And we were then brought into the Microsoft campus, brought onto the campus, and they typically do not open the campus for public tours. And that's a brand new campus. It's a brand new campus. And um, they took us in, and there was a guy there who goes, 
I usually don't meet this many people, but follow me. And he wasn't a tour guide. He was just like some average Joe. No, he was just an average Joe guy that just basically got the job of you go walk them here. And he did. <laughs> and took well, us upstairs. They were all on the, the Xbox team. Right. But he even said that he yeah. wasn't even sure why he was taking us. He was like, he was trying to figure out why he was the one deemed worthy to right. walk us. Right. We went upstairs and Major Nelson walks in, Larry Herb walks in, and he's like, you know, it, it was funny because everybody's talking, enjoying each other's conversation, and Larry Herb walks in, everybody just shuts up. The master has arrived. And Larry goes, no, 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 I didn't mean for you to stop. Uh, we'll be starting in a few minutes, and he leaves. And everybody's like, crap, what's going to happen here? And so he left, and when he came back in, basically told us, we're breaking you off into groups. And you're going to go in separate groups. So those are what the colors were. Chris and I were in separate groups. First, I was a little upset about that because I'm like, well, I want to go with my husband to see something like this for the first time with him. But then I thought, you know, this is going to be interesting because I'm going to see it from my perspective. And Flo and Major Nelson without any consequences. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the worst thing was we ended up both going to the Microsoft um, store opposite each other. And yeah. he had all the money. Yeah. So I'm texting, where are you? Why aren't you here? You know, and anything. And for, and for the record, the Microsoft store, unless you're an employee there, is, it's your opportunity to buy anything like a Windows 7 pen or a Windows 7... Lanyard. Yeah, yeah. So it's nothing... Well, I mean, I'm, that was like the destination I thought I was looking for. It was like, great, I'll pick up some, you know, some piece of software cheap, only for... Employees, but yeah. anyway, yeah. And so then we walked. We were broken up into these groups, and it was really interesting because in the group that I was with, okay, Alex, I told you what this woman worked for, what the company she worked for, Game Spot. Is that what in the Game UK? Spot, yeah. Yeah. Game Spot. 